Okay, here we go. Now, this week's guest is Andy Wright. If you're unfamiliar with Andy Wright, he was originally a pro snowboarder, and then he turned to graphic designer, and then he ultimately became one of the most iconic photographers to ever do it. He's lived through a lot of generations, a lot of eras of snowboarding, and he's stood the test of time. Now, in this episode, he gives some great actionable advice as well as some great stories from all the trips over the years. He shot some iconic Mikey LeBlanc covers. He also shot those crazy roof caps of Dan Breezy back in the day. So he gets into some really fascinating stories of kind of multiple generations of snowboarding. Now, before we get into the episode, I just want to let you guys know that we have tons of merch available at bombhole.com. And thank you guys so much for supporting us. We see you out there buying stuff. We see you posting pictures sharing the episode on your Instagram, and it means so much to us. So thanks again for supporting us. You guys kick ass. Now let's get into it. Andy Wright episode. Here we go. You are listening to the Bomb Hole. Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the Bomb Hole. going to slide down in big hills, you know what I mean, on a big, nice burgundy snowboard. On a big, nice burgundy snowboard, we are back in the booth. Stony Buds, what's happening, my friend? Not much, brother. Admiring your mug right now. Thank you. Yeah, uh, for the <laughs> listeners, I have a tea mug that almost looks like urine. in my. Uh, it's, it's a bright yellow, but uh, it's not about my mug today. We have two juggernaut photographers in the booth. We got Stony Buds, and then to my left, we have Mr. Andy Wright in the booth. How are we doing, Andy? Doing great. And... <laughs> Just got better. <laughs> Great answer. So uh, you're originally from the state that we are currently sitting in, and you've migrated, but you're back. I'm back. Passing through town really quick. I wish it was uh, for some snowboarding, but it's for another good reason. I just bought a new RV out in Kansas City, driving it home to Portland, Oregon, and uh, couldn't do the drive without stopping through here. Well, we hyped you came through. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Super hyped. Well, let's talk about this rig real quick, dude. This thing, <laughs> explain to the listeners what it is. All right. Well, for the, uh, for the rig nerds, it's, uh, it's technically called a Tiger made by Provan. And they basically what they do is they take a Ford or a Chevy one ton and they, they put like what looks like a slide in camper. They take the bed off the truck, they attach the slide in, they make it pass through. Uh, all the amenities, of course, you know, it's got a fridge, a stove, it's got an air conditioner, a bathroom, TV, solar on the roof. It's pretty much all self-contained. And uh, hopefully it's going to keep me warm this winter. I plan on doing some posting up in the parking lots of some ski resorts, trying to get that first chair, which is getting more and more competitive every year. So I thought this might be my way to get the edge. I have a <laughs> 2500 Chevy with a cab over camper on it myself. And, uh, you know, all the guys I go with, they all have Sprinter vans. So anytime I see somebody in a non-Sprinter van rig, I'm happy. Because, dude, these, these guys I get ride dirt bikes with, we're, we're talking like 10 Sprinter vans. I feel like I'm at a damn, like, Amazon box truck delivery convention. You know what I mean? <laughs> they do drive those, huh? <laughs> dude, trust me, it was really hard to stay away from those. Because at first, you know, there's, like, some intrigue. But then you look at them, and more and more, and they're, first of all, they're so expensive. It's like, forget about the price. I kind of have some respect for the guys that are building out their own. That's cool. They're not going in too deep. I know Alex Andrews has been posting a lot about his build out, and I thought that was pretty rad. But my main thing I didn't want a sprinter band for is I just kind of think it's a waste of space. Uh, you know, the most of them, 
I guess you can get slides and sleep side to side in them, but I'm like, I'm 6'3", and I don't think I'm going to fit side to side, so I'd be sleeping long ways. So basically you're driving around a big van, that, and you're just pulling a bed around, nowhere to really hang out, do your thing. The thing I like about the slide-in camper style is you sleep over the, the cab, and there's a lot of uh, open space to hang in. And, uh, and, and then it's built on a big, like, Super Duty F-350. I know you like that. Diesel power. Absolutely. I will say Turbo. Smoke and Jay's uh, setup's kind of tight. You, I've hung some good times in there. I was <laughs> I was in there with you. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah. We've, we've actually, I think it was at, when we were up at uh, Crystal for Super Park yeah. that one year. So we came up on some uh, some plant material. Yes, we did. We <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. In Cottonwood Heights, man, you drive around my neighborhood, there's a lot of, like, just people with sprinter vans it's like they're a little too popular maybe yeah yeah i kind of just picture a lot of those people in those neighborhoods just having their like live love laugh like little placards inside there and just way too fancy i know man it's just it's a little too much and then it's just i don't know maybe it was ruined by instagram because it's Mm. just the the ultimate influencer rig is like that sprinter van thing so maybe like a mountains please die cut sticker on the back (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know but, Rick. Rick Ross said half a million in a sprinter. That's true. I'm, yeah, I'm down for that. Well, but. his sprinters, those rappers, their sprinters are like luxury vehicles. Yeah, they're not. But let's let's. Rick uh, Ross ain't going camping. We, he's not. He's no. not. I we, mean, let's be honest. No one's going camping in those. That's just <laughs> like that's glamping with a capital G. And I'm glamping. same way too. You know, mine's like decked out. But hey, whatever works for you, and if it's going to get you out to where you want to be, then that's cool. Perfect. Well, now that we're done making fun of sprinters, um, <laughs> we have quite a bit of material to cover. And um, for the viewers that aren't unfamiliar with yourself, like Andy is one of the most prolific photographers in all of snowboarding, probably one of the most published, top three. And before that, had a career in some graphic design. But before that, which is not very talked about, is the fact that you were a pro snowboarder. So let's, let's fucking un- uncover that mystery. Try to make it quick because I've definitely gone over this some other places. But uh, so yeah, I grew up here in Salt Lake City, which you know obviously makes it pretty easy to go snowboarding. Like one of the best places in the world, just be like twenty, thirty minutes from the mountain. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest, the, what got me into the whole deal was like we just couldn't skate in the winter. So my parents were big skiers, and I was like, obviously anything they liked, I didn't like. I think it was pretty natural. So I was, like, very drawn to snowboarding. Uh, initially, I remember there was this weird little mountaineer shop close to my house. I grew up kind of over, uh, right by Rail Garden, actually, not far away, uh, 4,500. And there's a weird little mountaineer shop, and they used to have this Burton catalog in there. And, you know, you're just a bored kid. You're just walking around, checking out the shops. And they'd, every year I'd see this Burton catalog, and I would just study it. I'm like, what is this thing? This I need to get into this. This thing looks amazing, this snowboarding thing. And so I got my first board, probably around 84, bought it at a windsurfing shop. That was the whole, like, Hobie Cat era. And uh, it, actually, first day I ever went snowboarding was miserable. We hiked up what is now Woodward Park City. It used to be called Parley Summit. Way too flat to hike up and ride down in powder. I think it was actually it was probably 85. Hiked up there with my buddy from high school, or actually we were junior high, Darren May, We and we both had boards. I think maybe we rented them the first time before we bought them just to check it out, see if we'd like it. And it was a miserable day, but there was just something there that made us want to come back and do it again. So, yeah, next year we bought boards, and we were smart enough to hike up Alta early season on some steeper runs, and we're like, okay, this is what was missing. So, yeah, anyway, my dream, you know, I've, you know, I'm probably not the first one to say that snowboarding is a hell of a lot easier than skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you can live out a lot of Facts. your fan- you can live out a lot of your skateboarding <laughs> fantasies. It's true. It's true. And so, like you know, you know, at first it was just like, oh, let's just go up there while we can't skate, and we'll we'll snowboard around. It was Park West, which is now the canyons, or maybe now it's even part of Park City, but they allowed snowboarding. So we used to ride there, and they had like a natural half pipe, and then. Uh, I always had like a pass there. My parents, you know, we did do skiing when I grew up, so they always got me a pass. But anyway, uh, uh, at some point I just started, started to be more about the snowboarding than skateboarding. And, uh, you know, you'd see guys that were pro at the time, you know, this is late eighties and stuff like that. And a lot of the stuff they were doing, it was weird. Like dudes in like day glow suits and, you know, some hard boots, some not grabbing weird places. Obviously it wasn't a lot of skate influence. And I was just like, I think I... I think I could do this. And so, you know, Chase chased it a little bit, ended up being sponsored by Nitro for a little while. I actually started on GNU for and GNU and Nitro were under the same little uh um distribution company and then uh they, they kind of split off and I with Nitro, which was kind of big around these parts. They sponsored a, a lot of or a lot of guys here, guys who started Salty Peak Snowboard Shop were on Nitro and then uh, the guy that we grew up all idolizing, Jeff Davis. He was a rider on Nitro. He was on Burton for a while, and then he switched over to Nitro. So it was just kind of like huge Nitro scene here, huge connection. I ended up being on Nitro till um, probably like 96, 97. I still ride their boards to this day. Canute hooks me up. I love their boards. Good stuff. You well, stuck riding them the whole time? Yeah, you know, I did. Actually, I really liked their boards. I've tried some other ones over the years. I did some work for Ride over the years, and I rode, kind of rode their boards here and there, but then I just kind of gravitated back to Nitro, especially Command with that when they came with the Quiver Series. That was pretty rad. That was like the board I'd been waiting for. That uh, 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 <clears throat> I think it's called the Slash Board, which is um, ironic. It was like a year before Giggy started Slash. And so uh, Giggy sent me a Slash Board first year they came out, and I was like, well, I'm already riding a Slash, so this is perfect. <laughs> Dude, we got to post one of these photos, but I've seen some photos of you are styly too, dude. Yeah, let's post them. I'll send yeah. them to you, and we'll get them in the notes. Maybe for sure. we'll pop one up here while we're talking about it, and yep. we'll get them in the notes. But you were a styly dude. Well, dude, so that was kind of like you know you were limited. We didn't have parks like you know there was no jumps. Other ones that you know we weren't even really smart enough to build jumps. It was just kind of like side hits, things you would find, natural wind lips, stuff like that. But there was pipes, so. You know, that was kind of like their best chance for airtime. Anytime you could just get in the air and just kind of grab and it was like the tweak era, you know, like the brushy era, put the knee on the board, the duck boy era, things like that. So in that regard, you know, like we'd, we'd practice on the trampolines just to like work our tweaks out, hear the bindings creak, loosen mm-hmm. up, loosen up the top laces, maybe, you know, click the ratchets down a couple to keep it loose. But like if your knee wasn't touching the board, you weren't tweaking. Dude, and you're lanky, so you can get a nice, <laughs> nice tweak going. Yeah, it's not anymore. Those not anymore, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame how that goes away. Dude, huh? what's, what's funny is like how the board just got so much farther away over the years. Yeah. I don't think my legs have grown. Yeah, that's that's what's weird. <laughs> Dude, it's like there's not many grabs. I mean, if I even like brush it with the, yeah. I gotta wear big gloves just to even like touch the thing. <laughs> I feel Extra long that. gloves. I, I mean, everyone, that. you know, everyone comes on on you know Sean White so heavy for the boot grab. Dude, I'd kill to grab my boot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take boot heel cup any any yeah, time, anything exactly. at this point if I'm even in the neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, so I got to uh, talk about my experience seeing you ride because when I worked at High Cascade, that was when I was younger, and and you were just known as like big time photographer guy, right? And I remember seeing you do an andrect on like a, which is a hand plant for the layman's on like a little snow bump. You remember what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, Andy's still got it. I don't know how old he is, but he's ripping. And then 
I talked to Mikey LeBlanc, and he was like, dude, Andy fucking rips. <laughs> he was like, we built Sunshine Hip halfway through my career, and he came out of retirement and did a back nine. All right. Is that true? Okay. I'm so glad this came up because I got to come clean on this one. And God bless Mikey. He's always been my, he brings this story up so much. That was a total accident. I was going, <laughs> I was going for a Mickey, just a five. Yeah. And it was just you gave went her. for a five and ended up with a nine, dude. I was giving it my all. <laughs> you know, like when you commit to the McTwist. Well, and if you spin a lot early, yeah, you're yeah. just kind of like I'm getting around. I'm you're not like, oh stuck. shit, I yeah. really got around. Yeah, it's I'm not gonna get stuck upside down. <laughs> yeah, and like maybe you know you're Mister Switch McTwist, so I, those probably came easy. To I'm gonna you. try to get those again, this dude. Year. I would love to see that. I'm gonna try. So yeah, a total accident and nowhere near a land. But thank you, Mikey. You've always. You've always pumped me up good on that. And That's sick. I've, I've let that one ride for a, mm, probably a good, like, 15 years. Not saying it was an accident. Yeah, just kind of going with <laughs> it. Anyway, I, I would have never said I would have never said <laughs> yeah, anything. Should, I'm surprised I been, like, I was it. If you want, it. we can pull that from this. Cause, <laughs> nah, I got to be honest, dude. Got to be honest okay, on that one. I want to know about, uh, did you know about media or... Our uh, media magazine. Yeah, that was what right? I wanted to get into oh, okay. next. Yeah, let's let's talk about that transition from pro to, to graphic design stuff. Yeah, so uh, one of my other passions, kind of as we got into the snowboarding thing, uh, I was going to college here. I got a job at Kinko's, which I think now is called FedEx Kinko's. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Is Kinko's it still might the name? just be FedEx. Now. Yeah, FedEx, whatever. The copy center. So I show up to work, and it was a great job. I was there 24 hours a day, so I could like go to school. I could still board and stuff, but... They're like, oh, yeah, your job is you're in charge of our, like, computer system. They're like, you're going to school for computers. I was, like, in, I was enrolled in, like, a computer science degree. They're like, yeah, you're naturally our computer person. But this is all, like, desktop publishing stuff. And so I'd always had, like, an interest in making zines and things like that. And then when I got a job at Kinko's, we made a skate zine here. We called it the Zine of Zion. Might have to dig up a copy there. I've never seen guys. that. That's yeah. Cool. And it had all our homies skating in it. And so I got that job at Kinko, and I'm like, wow, you can uh, – you can, like, lay all this stuff up on the computer and do it that way. That's really cool. And basically, like, nobody there wanted to touch the things because it was, like, early 90s. Computers were kind of like, ooh, those are for nerds. And uh, and so, like, I already had the zine thing in my head. I actually had some friends that were uh, had jobs working for, like, designing little advertisements for the newspaper and stuff like that. And they'd always talk about it. I'm like, oh, here's my opportunity. I'm just getting paid to sit here to learn this stuff. And so as the years went by... I'm like, you know, I'm kind of here alone on the weekends, and no one's really watching, and I could whip out this zine, print the thing, and it could be like, uh, you know, like maybe we should start our own little snowboarding magazine, because I like, I took a lot of interest in, like, I wanted to be a graphic designer. This is before I even had the snowboard, or uh, photography, and so I was just like, this is so fun to use a software, and it was kind of an era where graphic design was being reinvented. I don't know when you got into it. I know you did a bunch of design, but it was like... For the design people out there, it's kind of like this Ray Gun era, David Carson. The fonts were like crazy. This was like really kind of an age of like things were exploding. Like I used to get like Mac Mall magazines in the uh, mail a couple times a week, and I would just study them. I'm like, yeah, right? Like you would see the software. All the new stuff. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, what is this like Adobe Photoshop and all this stuff? So anyway, it just kind of put it together. Like we knew a lot of people uh, taking photos around here, like obviously – a lot of good boarders were growing up here, so there's a lot of talent. Uh, I grew up, we were pretty tight with uh, Rob Mathis, and he was obviously shooting in that era. He had photos to give us. Um, 
made friends with some other photographers around town and they were down to help out. And so we just started this magazine. We're like, you know, screw it. Let's make our own magazine. It'll be fun. And uh, it'll kind of cover this area that we kind of felt. Another reason we did it was kind of wasn't really getting the attention we felt it deserved. It was just like early 90s before like the first wave of Cali had come. I don't think you were quite here yet, but it was all like the mags were like Colorado, Colorado, Breckenridge, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Bear, those were like the spots. And so we're like, kind of think it's going off here. Let's just make it. We got there's talent here, you know. You've had Tim in the booth. He was a big part of that. And obviously, like JP, Jeremy were coming up in that era. Uh, <clears throat> other writers, um, Brad Chevelle, roommate of mine at the time. He was big hot shot on Burton. He had got a lot of coverage. Anyway, there's no shortage of talent to put in there. And so it kind of like scratched a lot of itches, you know, like the the whole desire to do our scene right, and then also just to like have freedom to design this stuff which was also like really fun so so around this time you guys are doing medium magazine and it's brad chaffel brad was the talent and then <laughs> jared eberhardt yeah and, and we were designing together me and jared that, that's for what you guys went went on to do after that that's a that was like a little nest egg of creativity or what's going on i here? guess yeah for sure like obviously brad brad had a pretty good little pro career he went on to work for uh mly snowboards for a minute before he went on to coal headwear and kind of started that from the ground up and that thing blew up from his creation and then, then jared just went off the rails he's amazing designer uh, he went to uh he from when we were doing medium he on a whim went out to the uh u.s open in vermont and interviewed at jdk which was doing all the design work for burton they hired him and he kind of like took over there and then he went to forum and took over there and he was like kind of the uh, all of the imagery behind the golden era forum, you know, like the true life. I think resistance was a little before his time, but I think he came in right at true life and just took over and there and left his mark. And then he bounced. He does, uh, he went into commercial making commercials, directing for a while. And now he's just like, uh, he's just designing houses. Houses now? Well, not designing, but renovating them himself. Oh, sick. Little hands on work. That's cool. Well, that's kind of like, not to be too like, you know, who, human optimization guy, but like you look at who you who you surround yourself with, right? You like that's important who you surround yourself. With. Like you know, Brad went on to start Cole. He, uh, Jared ran four four star or whatever forum and all that. Yeah. And then you went on to be the head graphic designer for M three snowboards, which not everybody knows. And just that's like that was that's insane. Yeah, it was kind of funny how we ended up there because at the time it was kind of like rival brands. Obviously, Forum was the big brother, but M three was kind of like following the same model let's make a sick team let's like have some kind of more like progressive graphics and and uh so it's funny he ended up at forum and i ended up at m3 <laughs> but uh yeah that was my in and like uh well before i ended up doing the design there i'd kind of like caught the photography bug so just for the timeline um as i was making the magazine or uh, we did like seven issues of medium over the years it was probably like three or four year run we were trying to do them quarterly but it ended up just being way too much work but sometime along the way i was just like you know what i should buy a camera because uh i think i could do this and i'm like always hanging out with these guys it'll be a fun thing to learn and then obviously i had a place to use my own photos and uh and it actually helped one of you know my hustle at the time was like you know the magazine wasn't really paying money it paid for itself it was kind of a passion project but it kind of proved that you could uh do design work and so i was hustling design work for all these brands i mean this is golden era like 90s hundreds of brands 
couldn't be enough brands. So all these people are needing ads, they're needing catalogs, they're needing board graphics and stuff like that. And so I was already doing those. And then I was always sitting in my basement waiting around for FedEx or some guy who took a photo to send to me so I could finish the ad. And it always late. It was never that was usually wasn't that great. It was okay, whatever. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start hustling these this photo game because it's like I'm already doing the ad and I've already got the guy's attention and they're going to be like, yo, we need this ad. It's due tomorrow. It's always due tomorrow, no matter what. And they're like, who has some, do you know anyone that photos of our rider? I'm like, actually, I kind of shot some myself. Do you want, do you want to see him? <laughs> so boom, just doubled the, the, you're you selling know. photos and selling them. Yeah, design exactly. Work. Like <laughs> one that stop was, shop. Dude, yeah. that was my in. That's how I kind of like, I wasn't a name. Like there, no one was going to hire me and yeah. send me out on a shoot, but you know, you live here, the talents here. They needed the shots. Yeah. You can go hustle. The, the talent's already here. I can just go up to Brighton or whatever hike. I'm already with the kids and there's like, I mean, it's to the point where, like, do you know anyone that would ride for us? I'm like, oh, I know some people. You know, know just even, guys. yeah, maybe even lining it up on that end. I mean, it was, you remember that era? Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. You go to the trade show, it was just, like, so many new brands. I mean, this is kind of right, right around the time that, like, Ride was going public, and it was just so much optimism that, like, oh, snowboarding, the next big thing. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of my basic end of photography. And so when, to get to M3, um, they kind of brought me on as a photographer first. And I was always like, this is great guys. I, I like this, but who's doing the layouts and stuff. And they had a great, they had a great team up in Portland. Some actually like friend of mine was doing it at the time, but uh, it was through a design agency. And I was always with the writers and the writers wanted more control. They didn't want, they want to kind of want to cut out the middleman. And they're like, what if you just did it? So I was like, oh, yes, this is the dream. I get to take all the photos. I get to hang with the team, I get to lay out the ads in the summertime so it all kind of came together. And honestly, if they wouldn't have gone out of business, I probably would have just kept doing that forever. But Damn. Yeah, that was like, that was a high point. And like, when that went down, I was like, it was like a leap of faith. I'm like, well, what's my next move? Should I try to hustle another branch? Should I be an art director? And I'm like, man, this photography thing's kind of taken off. Cause you like, could have went either way, huh? Yeah, easily could have gone either way. Because I was getting kind of the same high off each. But I'm like, man, this photography thing, I get outside. I'm with the dudes. I'm riding. I'm not stuck in the basement waiting for someone else to send me a photo. And I was just like, I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I'm going all in photo-wise. And, like, it was kind of, you know, just being the team photographer for M3, you know, like, I was out, and those guys, you know, whatever, they're sh the team's, like, hooked up, you know, to shoot with a movie project, usually Kingpin. And so I'm shooting all the other guys from Kingpin. That's building my resume. I'm selling photos. I'm selling them to the mags. I wasn't on staff yet. You know, I'm selling ads of these guys on the side, too, which is just crazy that, you know, the, I mean, dude, the opportunities were endless back then, like, you know, M3's funding my travel to shoot their guys, and then I'm also shooting the other guys that are there and hustling that, which is travel's all paid for. So it worked out pretty well. And so Mags like, were like this thick. Oh, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> they like, were. Dude. It was insane. Yeah. Like so, hundreds of pages. Yeah, and now so they're it, this thick. it was just like, oh, <laughs> uh, this is... You know, but, I mean, it's weird because it did feel like kind of a leap. Like, okay, I've, I always thought I was going to be this designer, but I think I'm going to try this photography thing. And then shortly after that, you know, Transworld brought me on as staff. They'd actually been kind of asking me about it, and I'm like, ah, it kind of conflicts because I'm working for M3, and they don't want, like, exclusivity on all their photos. It's just one mag. They want to spread them out, so I can't do both. And then when they were canned, I was like, all right, is that offer still stand? I'll I'll do this. Nice. Do you know what year that was? I'd say it was 0203. 0203. That's yeah. awesome. Dude, yeah. I feel like sometimes M3 doesn't get the shine it yeah, deserves. Because, like, I'm always sitting there talking about 4M8. But as, when I think back to when I was a kid, 
the first uh, pro model board that you know my parents bought me actually was a was an M3 Sidewall Series Mikey LeBlanc, which you probably designed. I did. It was did called you, the Sidewall Series. Nice. Uh, it was that like seems a, like a weird was name. The, was the guy with the ski mask on it? Yeah, yeah. It's the, all the scratches on the. Yeah, M, M, yeah. I remember yeah. that board. That yeah. was classic. Yeah, but that's what it's I, called the Discord series. I think. Yeah, sidewall. Uh, well, that's series. well, that <laughs> was like their that was like their one sidewall because they'd always done caps. Yeah, uh, so, exactly. yeah. In cap, I was like, the that's cap why you era. call it that. That yeah. was the cap era. I'm glad that could be one of the worst trends. And dude, that's really cool Some to hear. That like was those. the board that like spoke to you. I didn't want a forum. I wanted an M3. Yeah, and so dude, to me, I'm like. Hey, you know, like Forum is kind of the Beatles rolling, you know, and and M three is kind of like Rolling Stones a little bit. You know what I mean? Just a little more edge, not edgy or whatever, but just not quite as like glam in the spotlight. But like, definitely had a team that you could like latch onto and identify. Kind of the underdogs, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what year did they go under? Uh, I would say it was two thousand two or something. Mm, yeah, I think so. Something like, like maybe a th- yeah, it was like of three around was there. last year. Mikey on his episode said the boards were pieces of shit. Oh, horrible. <laughs> I still remember that first ad of his, and I mean, I just remember, I just remember back in the day, man, they were sick. M three was dope. So one thing before we before we move on from this is fascinating for somebody because you guys are from an older era, and I never thought about the fact that I've thought about shooting film, right? You're like, yeah, you you got to shoot the film, you get the rollback. I've never thought about the fact that the ad layouts were so analog, where you had to get sent a picture in the mail. And then you have to mock it up. Well, and then you had to get it scanned. Yeah, drum scan. Yeah, like, you had to get it They're scanned. expensive, too. And you couldn't even, like, play with it to see if that was the shot. I mean, you kind of could because, like, you could get a slide scanner. I don't know if you had, a, like, one of those slide scanners. Oh, to do, like, a low-quality Yeah, just scan to even to get see. a feel, just yeah. to be, like, show the client, like, well, hey, you know, this is kind of what it's going to look like if you squint. Trust yeah. me, it, it's sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we didn't want to pay for the scan drum scans either if yeah. a brand was going to use it. So we had to send them the shit, and they get the scan done. And Yeah, and then they, some people would cut corners and do crappy scans. And that made your stuff look like shit oh, in the Mac. Terrible, yeah, If you dude. didn't have the right scan, it made you look bad. Yeah, and so you were always pushing to get him, get him to spend the good money. I mean, because drum scan is 150 bucks. Yeah, about, when right? it first started, it was yeah. 150 I think at the end they were like 60 Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was, that was even more challenging too. So you'd have to find ways to even like mock it up to kind of like even get a feel on your end as a designer, like how's this going to look? And then it's a couple more days for the drum scan. Obviously it took a couple days for the FedEx to come. Mm-hmm. And so like, it was a process and you were like kind of on the line the whole time, you know, it wasn't like, all right, it wasn't like a one and done. You were like, you got to see this thing through. It was a lot of work. It was. Now you can pretty much do it all on your phone. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Well, yeah, you could you could da- design everything on your phone nowadays. <laughs> are, are you still designing? Uh, you know, a tiny, tiny bit here and there, but not really. Because that's interesting that we both kind of came at it from the design side. Yeah. Right? Were you designed first well, or I photo remember first? once uh, I was designing first. Okay. One time I asked you, uh, you probably remember this, should I like, I was like, I don't know if I should shoot photos or get into design. And you were like, get in the design. You can always do that after you shoot photos. And I was like, sick, good call. And yeah, then I advice. just dove in the photos. You probably don't even remember that, but I, you gave me that advice once. Probably at Bubba's bar once. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> yeah, our, our uh, bar in the basement yeah. <laughs> where I lived with Blue and Bobby and all sorts of good people. Good times. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of listeners that are thinking about getting in the photog game. So let's get into like some, some advice and stuff like that. Because I know you said that you have some rules and guidelines that are simple that you like to follow and implement. There's definitely, so rules is kind of a tricky part of anything creative, 
you know, any creative process rules. So guidelines might be a little softer word to just say things that have, that have kind of proven successful for us in the past to use. And uh, this is all like stuff that's part of a course I teach every summer up at uh, High Cascade in Oregon at uh, on Mount Hood. It's a photo workshop. And uh, we go through like a, a six-day program up there. And it's pretty intense. You're like, it's classroom settings. We go out on the hill. We shoot in the day. We come back at night. We look at the photos. We critique them. And you can learn a lot in these six days if you had any interest in pursuing a career or just even getting better at photography. It's kind of what it's set up for. Uh, There's not a lot of that offered in school really anywhere. This is like the hands-on approach. I've had students who come there who are a lot of kids who come who are in college classes and they can manage to get a credit for it somehow or another. They... You know, it's kind of a, a summer thing where they, it's worth some college credit. But anyway, they'll tell me, they're like, I just learned basically a year's worth of photography in six days. And it's pretty insane to have that, like, you know, you're up on Mount Hood. And that you have access to talent that maybe you'll never have again. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing. You're there during, like, we usually do it in the middle of summer right after 4th of July. It used to be a session you were always up yeah, for. So I remember just, the photo you know, campers would always do, like, a uh, night shoot. And yeah, stuff. and stuff like that. So you're going to get you have access to guys like, you know, Hot Shots like Chris here. And there's always, like, seems like Danny Davis has always been around the last couple of years, and it's just like, man, you want to get good at photography quick, get in front of some good talent. Photo school doesn't really teach them that, right? Well, it's hard because, like, what are they going to do? You yeah. Know, you build a mountain and bring in some yeah, close orders. There's no way to duplicate what you're doing up there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of, like, success in photography, which I imagine, or in snowboard photography, which I imagine translates into other uh, realms, too, is just, like, having the right talent in front of you. I mean, like, dude, if you're shooting models, like, it's so easy. Yeah. I can't take a bad picture. I mean, just a little, you know, side note is, like, a lot of job me and um, Stone do is, like, you know, the brands, they want, like, lifestyle shots of the riders. You know, it's like, you didn't get into personal where you'd be a model. You're, you want to be a snowboarder. So yeah. you're stiff and awkward, and I didn't get into shooting models either, so I'm not, like, knowing how to put you at ease, stuff like that. So, you know, we work through it. We make it work. It's always, it seems like they always want that candid shot because the pose shots are always awkward. Some are stiffer than others, too. But I don't know if you've ever had experience working with a professional model. Have you? Uh, Justin Benny count? Johnny Paxson. <laughs> Johnny Paxson. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Air horn. Johnny yeah. Paxson. Paxson was a professional model. <laughs> Lifey game on point. Yeah. Oh. He's in some Mercedes ads, some maybe. Uh, Calvin Klein. Yeah, Calvin he? Klein. Oh, yeah. All sorts of shit. For sure. Well, anyway, so like I've had over the years, one thing's led to another. I've done some, you know, snowboarding leads you in different places. And it's like, yeah, when you shoot these models, dude, I lifted the camera up to my face and I was like, all of a sudden the models, they just turn it on. Yeah, they turn it on. And you're just like, oh my God. It's like, uh, that again. Yeah, you you look wonderful. (laughs) And so I guess the whole point here is what I'm trying to make is like, I think it's the same thing when you get in front of like a pro snowboarder. So like maybe you're like, you came from your mountain and you're shooting your guys that are the local rippers and they're probably pretty good, whatever. But you get up there and it's a legit jump, legit half pipe, legit rider. And they turn it and on. And it's like, hey, secret's out. It's pretty easy, actually, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this actually is, it kind of goes with a Patreon question we've got on this topic from uh, Thomas Portet. Any advice for someone trying to learn snowboard photography who's lacking subjects to practice on? What do I do? Just shoot randos in the park? Well, I'm glad you brought this up because this, this is kind of, it's one of the main points of the whole workshop and the advice we give, because obviously this is a question I get a lot. And, uh, everybody's story who's had success in photography is always the same. It's like, if you want to make it, dude, you got to move to the, you got to move to the talent. 
It's like there's no way around it. You got to move to the mountains. And so, you know, I was lucky enough to grow up here. The talent was around me. You you chased it to yeah, Colorado. I had to chase it. But there was some in Vermont, but I still had to chase yeah, it. Yeah, you had some the to terrain, work with. you know. Yeah, you had something to work with. But you know, you, you, I wasn't you, even shooting there though. I was just going to be where the rest of the talent was, I guess. And yeah, it's like you got to do that. You got to commit, and there's no guarantees. But I I will guarantee you'll have a good time. Yeah, and it'll be like even if you don't make it, you know, like maybe you're fresh out of college, fresh out of high school. What are all your buddies doing back home? At least you went and chased a dream and you got to snowboard every day for a couple of years and maybe you're washing dishes at night and you're sleeping in the closet, but trust we me, we all worth did, it. right? <laughs> yeah. And and if you want to make if you really do want to make it or you want to get better, you got to take that leap. I mean, I guess you could like go on vacations and stuff and do that, but that's that's kind of the number one thing and everybody, you know, everybody that comes to our program, we have a lot of like guest photographers that come through and talk to our class and share their stories and i'd still love to get you up there I'd one day i know I, we used to have budgets and <laughs> typical story <laughs> they'll come back to they think will things dude. are coming and back you're around first on the list when they come thank back, you dude. yeah i want you i want you up there telling your story to the boys <laughs> and girls actually we get a lot of girls yeah i bet too. yeah it's surprising but uh anyway so yeah that's the that's the first thing dude you got to move to the talent and you got to like once you get there you know you'll you'll figure it out go riding Who's the good dudes? You know, you don't, you don't have to be a ripping rider to keep up and go to the park and kind of check out the talent. And trust me, those people want photos. Yeah, I was just going to say they want to be photoed. Yeah, exactly. They've guys got huge egos. Yeah, and right, so, Chris? and that's your, and that's, <laughs> true. that's your, true. those are your practice subjects. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, they're not at some level where they're just ex- have high expectations where they're going to diss you if you miss it because you're going to have to, you're going to have to go through some growing pains, but it's good because they're also growing too in their careers. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, fortunately, like we just talked about Brad, he was a roommate of mine, Brad Chaffel, and uh, he was a really good snowboarder. We grew up kind of riding together and uh, not grew up, but he moved here from Washington. And so, you know, our career arcs were similar. And he, and I was just like, it was, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to get a camera. You want to go shoot? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. And so, like, he was down. I got to practice on him. I got to practice on some other homies. Um, you know, I was lucky enough. Jason Brown from, you know, snowboarder from here, too, kind of under the radar. I consider one of, like one of the greatest to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up skating with him, and you know that guy blew up quick on Burton, and he was always down to go shoot. And like that was my first photo ever published, so that's pretty lucky. But I got in, you know, those and they are very understanding. We're homies anyway. If I'm missing the shot, and believe me, I missed some shots. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does. Yeah, but anyway, so you know, it's kind of like I hear you say. Uh, I've heard you say it several times on the show. One of my favorite quotes is, "You know, rising tide rises all boats." And it's like, as they come up, you come up. And as those dudes did, I, I was with them. And so, like, you know, from them, I'm, you know, from there, I was like, I started shooting with Mikey. And then, you know, obviously, Jeremy, JP, and those guys, eventually, Tim, Osler, came around to them. And so, it's kind of like, one thing leads to another. But you got to kind of take that first step. and You got to put yourself in that situation. And there's no guarantees, just like anything in life. But like I said, it's kind of like a win-win, man. If you really love snowboarding, and you got to really love snowboarding to do this job because it's like if you're getting this for the money, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably barking up the wrong tree. A hundred percent. I mean, it was a couple years ago. It was a USA Today article. It was like uh, top whatever, 50 worst jobs. And it was like photographer, 24, fast food worker, 25. Come on. <laughs> Straight up. It was really in there? Yeah. Like Straight that. up, yeah. And so, I mean. Ouch. And like, honestly, like. You know, there's there's money to be made, not as much as there used to you be. You got to hustle. But, dude, you didn't start doing it to make money, did you? No. Yeah. 
It was like for it wasn't me. Wasn't even a thought in my head. Yeah, for me, I yeah. was like, I was like, ah, these guys are really good, and I'm kind of like not really on that level of where yeah. they're going, and maybe this. But I want to hang with them. I want to hang. I want to <laughs> be there. I want to be in the scene, the camaraderie, the boys. I want to be part of this, but like I'm, not, I don't really want to hit that jump, and I don't really have much to offer except for maybe throwing a big hot, hot tub in there. Yeah. Or and a bomb hole, potentially. There you go. I would leave a session riding with Marco and could hardly walk after. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? My stiff-ass neck and hurt ankles and trying to keep up with them. And it's like, I need to just shoot photos here. But, dude, just being around it is yeah. still like... It's infectious. It is. And you're just like, you know, and maybe you're like... I mean, I obviously had an interest in photography and capturing it. I remember photos always spoke to me. I was, I feel like when, uh, when I was growing up, and this is like, you know, we were pre-video era. I mean, there's videos, but they were kind of like few and far between. It's not like now, but it was like photos is what you got you stoked. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, I'd be so, so slow to go through the mag, just every photo dissecting Me it. Me too. Just absorbing it. So I was always like kind of drawn to it. And then dudes I would shoot with when I was trying to do it, especially like Rob Mathis, he helped me out a ton. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I feel like, you know, in, in some respects, thank you, Rob. I owe just about everything Give to you. But... <laughs> But we got a butt here. You owe a lot to us too because you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> no, you could take a photo, but I don't think you'd ever snowboard. snowboard it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And so, like, <laughs> it's like we were his test subjects. And then, like, you know, obviously his career just took off. Yeah. And so we were like his dudes to practice on. And, and he killed it. Like, he was a ripping skate photographer, ripping skater too. And so, like, he kind of brought an element to it. You know, an eye for skateboarding, which is what we liked, too. So his angles were on point. And if he knew the trick, like, him and a, like, you know, I'm going to go do a front side rock on that log. He knew what us we were talking yeah. about. You know, he knew where to be. and, and Which is oh, crucial. People need yeah. to learn that. Uh, yep. But, but, no, I think what I was, I guess what I was trying to say is, like. Uh, he kind of showed you the ropes in yeah, the beginning. He, yeah, he showed us the ropes. And then. uh it all just comes back around. And so we're happy to show other people the ropes. That's yeah. kind of what the, yeah, the class is all about. That's how I learned, too. Like, Kevin Zacker and, and Nate Christensen let me just shoot next to him. Yeah. And that's so sick. And that yeah. was with me with Whitey, dude. Yeah. He, like, he helped me out so much. And it was, you know, and it was maybe less, like, technical questions at that point. But he was also filming movies. And at some point, like, back in the day in the movie era, uh, shooting 16, a lot of guys would do both. Yeah, I remember Whitey had a rig with yeah. both set up. And he'd be shooting sequences, filming on this one, like, bracket he set up. Yeah, for sure. And he so killed he was it. probably hyped when you started shooting photos. Well, yeah, I mean, he kind of, like, I think he was starting to take his video projects a little yeah. more serious then and like i realized it was hard to do both and so he kind of like threw me some bones and we'd go out and and he would there'd be some things like i'm gonna shoot this i'm like oh whatever oh really yeah but it was really sick dude to his credit and i don't know how many people like really know this about him but uh and hopefully you get him in the booth someday it'd be amazing uh ingmar's biggest backside air and then does that register in your generation Mm -hmm. yeah i know that okay so like you know dude the things plastered with media at the time like all the you know standards there uh, f- uh, fall line films, Mac Dog. Everyone's got someone shooting. Whitey's there, taking photos for Blunt, and filming it at the same time. Wow! Nails the cover. Well, that was and, his cover and the shot in the video. And there was this filmer at the time who was there. I think I think Mac Dog had sent him there. Todd Hazeltine. I remember him. And uh, missed shot. Ha, and Whitey's there Whoops. with both. Whitey nailed both. Video. Hazeltine rolls up. Dude, I'll give you $1,000 for that shot right now. For real? <laughs> yeah. And he kept it or what? He told him to 
get lost. <laughs> yeah, that's so sick. That's incredible. Well, I want to. That's I wanna, sick that that was his cover. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. And he developed it in my dark room. Really? He had a dark room in my house, in my basement, and he left an extra copy behind when he was processing it. It's the photo that went to do the cover of Blunt for that. So I still have it to this day. That's a cool thing to hang on to, yeah. right there. I want to just highlight something that I heard, just to break down what you said. That's important for people to hear. And what I got from that, what I gathered, is that. You know, a lot of times you can be the best in the world at any type of craft. You can be the best snowboarder in the world. You can be the best photographer in the world. But it's it's not always what you know. It's who you know. And going back to that, like a lot of your opportunities just came from who you know and being and you too, buds. Both you like being immersed in the scene. And that's great advice, I think, for people. It's like just just get out there and get immersed in the scene. Yeah, and, go and to a mountain town. Yeah, you figure gotta it do out that and live sure. that life, yeah. and then you'll figure it out. Yeah, and maybe it will happen, and maybe it won't. But like, either way, you'll have fun. But I mean, I think what we were talked about uh, in the Patreon questions was, you know, like advice, and it was like, you know, luck favors the prepared. So if you want to put yourself in all these situations, you know, be prepared to make the best of it, make it happen. And uh, a little to your point, which I hear you bring up stuff like this on the podcast in the past, it's like you can have all the natural talent in the world. But man, the guys that win in the end are the guys that put in the work, mm-hmm. and so you got you put in the work, and you like you dedicate yourself to this. And I think it's true with anything; it's gonna you know it can pay off. And that's like any of, facet of life, right? Yeah, exactly. But especially in the you know the photography side, there's a lot you can improve your craft, and you can just. But like in the end, I don't know how you felt about your early days when you revisit some of your early. Uh, dude, I'm looking at my stuff, and I'm like. I was just a guy there with the camera that was smart enough to figure out how to expose it, get it in focus, <laughs> and I had enough money to buy film and processing. Yeah. There's really not And then the much. second you got connected to a mag, they would send you film, and you were hyped. But anyway, <laughs> I guess what, I, what I'm saying is, like, it wasn't very special. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I necessarily had a vision here and there. You know what I mean? Like, there was things I wanted, but it was, like, a lot of it and was just, like, all right, it was a pretty low bar. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, Getting for sure. In, and a lot of it just had to be like, because, dude, film, especially slide film, is kind of intimidating. And like, yeah. And you're like, okay, so if I buy this camera and this lens and this roll of film, then I can go hang out on the shoot, and I could probably sell a couple of these ads if I get lucky. Yeah. And, and it, it's like seven bucks a roll and another six bucks a roll to process. And, and it wasn't just about the money, obviously, yeah. but it was just kind of a way to like, Keep the lifestyle going for sure. Because I think it's when equipment wasn't that cheap. It was kind of lifestyle first. Now, for sure. <laughs> and I was probably in denial at the time, like oh, I'm a photographer. Take me serious. But looking back, and you know, and it's funny because my wife didn't really grow up around this. She snowboards a little bit, but she points it out, and she's like, "You're a snowboarder first. You just do this so you can go snowboarding." <laughs> she calls it. I'm like, what she are you talking it. about? I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm an artist. <laughs> but I'm like. Especially in the last couple of years, I'm just like, I got another angle, babe. I think I can go boarding again this year. <laughs> I always want to hire me. I was lifestyle first. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, and it's and whatever. I love photography. Don't get me wrong. And it is my, my love of it came from snowboarding. Exactly. Yeah. Snowboarder first, photographer second, and it's definitely opened my eyes to other parts of like you know photography as a whole, but like, I'm not really, I'm not pursuing commercially other things, you know, I don't think my heart's in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like to have success again, coming back to, if you want to be a pro, like a snowboarding photographer for a living, you got to really be into snowboarding. This isn't like, uh, you know, I said, it's not a money making venture by no means it can be kind of used to be. <laughs> it was, 
But isn't hopefully why we, that comes back. It wasn't why we got into it. Yeah. But it's just kind of like, dude, it's cold out there, and it's like there's. fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> but I mean, like, you. when you're yeah. when your heart's not in it, you get cold. Yes. But when you're stoked, you get extra cold. But yep. when you're stoked, that's you're, so true. Yeah, you're you, no cold can penetrate you when yeah. you're in the zone, and that's like it probably has a lot to do with like. You know, similar things you talk about, like getting clip highs. Mm-hmm. We get clip highs too. You know, and I'm a fan of snowboarding, and I know you are too. And yeah. when I'm seeing shit go down, and I was lucky enough to move through my career and be witness to some heavy things, mm-hmm. first tries. And it's like, dude, I couldn't even sleep at night when we go back to the hotel. So true. I'm just like, I can't believe that just happened, and mm-hmm. I got to shoot it, and I got to just see it. God, I hope it came out because I'm not going to see this film for two weeks. And it's no. so crazy how it could be negative 20 and you're so warm running around so getting warm. that shot. And you ever notice the minute this shoot stops? You're freezing, freezing almost yeah. to the point like, where your hands are going to fall yeah, off. Yeah, you're like, yeah. all right, we're done. Break down the lights. I'm like, oh, I can't oh, break down the start lights. Start the van. Start the van. <laughs> <laughs> your guys' cameras, like, when you pick them up, they're like, they're dude, I don't like gloves. They're dude. so fucking cold. I don't know how you do that. I, I don't know what it is. You're a psycho. I have yeah. to wear gloves, but. I think my hands are starting to get stiff from it, though. I got to maybe start wearing gloves. Well, I don't th- wear gloves. Ever. Uh, a little arthritis from shooting all those bangers. I think so, dude. dude you, it's funny. Have you ever actually gotten a sore trigger finger? Dude, I've gotten the numb <laughs> trigger finger where you, it's so cold you can't even tell you're shooting the photo. Dude, I've gotten carpal tunnel. <laughs> really? In yes. your finger? Yes. <laughs> Straight up. Heavy week of crew hopping. You're just fucking... Mad crew hopping. And I remember, yeah. Crew like, to crew to crew to crew. And I was finger. like, what is wrong with my finger? It fucking aches. And you know what? It might have been from the phone. Maybe it was too much scrolling around. Could have been like a weird read. But I was like, ah, it's, it's you just really lobby. had carpal tunnel, yeah, bro. I, well, I don't know, it wasn't diagnosed, but I got to. I remember one year when it was acting up, and I got, I, I think I flew up to AK to my meet up fingers with, acting up. I can't take this shit, dude. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> take this shit, dude. I'm telling you, no, but straight up, as a as a snowboarder, right? Like, I've got like ten concussions over exactly. here, and you're and you're sitting there, you're like, dude, I had, I have carpal tunnel in my finger. <laughs> Did it hurt? Did try shooting without? You know how you know how on it you have to be with your trigger, like your finger, dude. For real though, it's like it's you a lifeline. You can't dude. switch fingers and shooting switch. What do you you know? It's like yeah, you can't it's switch key, fingers, buddy. Dude. And so I remember I, I showed up on a shoot. And I, asked, I can't even switch eyeballs, dude. You got your one eyeball, your one finger. That's all. Oh, we've yeah, got eyeball. Out there. Forget that. Yeah, yeah. and I, so I I think I showed up uh, on a shoot. I was going to AK. And Ollie was there, Ollie Gagnon. And I didn't really know him too well at the time. I'm like, dude, do you ever get this? Like, <clears> and he's a bit younger than us. He's looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> and he doesn't. He doesn't fuck around <laughs> either. I, like, I can uh, just imagine. Yeah, I was like, uh, maybe he doesn't speak English that good. I and don't he know. was probably just like he just wasn't there yet. He hadn't shot enough. I can't I take. This, I can't take this trigger finger, fucking <laughs> dude. It hurt. Dude, you gotta get your shot within like a millionth of a second. Oh, it's you true. It's important. Right. It is. It's your money yeah. maker. It is your money yeah. maker. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's and nothing not, worse than being late on a shot, dude. It's the worst because you know nothing worse than having to do it again. Oh, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, dude. How would you like it on some gnarly thing? I mean, if I, I probably made you do something again. I'm yeah. And before we Both go there. Both of you fucking guys have made me do shit again a bunch of times. Before we hit that, which I definitely want to go there, but I think that this is kind of like, we were just talking about this before we got on air, but you talk about flow state. When you're in the zone, we get it too, man. Yeah. You're in flow state. You just know. And like, there's... There's times you're like in sync with the rider. You know fully. when to shoot the shot. Dude, you don't even know the trick they're gonna do. Like sometimes they're spinning, and it's just like it's just natural. It just comes to you. You're like that's the moment. Comes around, and a lot of it is like, you know, you can rip a sequence, and you can get 
whatever that that whatever takes the frames. pressure off but like a lot of times you know we're shooting with lighting which is always what i know you like to do and yeah. i like to do too so it's one chance to yeah, do one the thing. shot at the one trick in the right moment yeah and so like sometimes you know dude's doing a, a thing like a gnarly thing he's i'm like i don't care what happens i can't ask him to do this yeah. twice and so like you just breezy you, building gap like guy yeah could stuff die. like that and so like what i'll do is i'll throw a, i'll throw a remote camera on sequence mode nice and so i can have that little trigger in my hand i can run a little pocket wizard to trigger that and you fire the whole sequence and he, as soon as he says dropping I just hold down the button and I forget because you'll you'll mess yourself up if you try That's, to. Like, I had a problem with that, yeah. like doing too much at once. Yeah, and so it's like you just make a habit of like, okay, the second they drop, you know, whatever you got a bunch of friends. This is in digital era, so you're not going to run out of film. But you just like it's just going and you forget about it's even there, and then you just wait, get, get that, that still shot, shot, and then you got that insurance shot there. And then the hardest thing in that too is you don't is to not let go. Yeah, because you can get the sequence. Yeah, that's the thing. You, yeah, and sometimes you just want to naturally let go. So but you just anyway, got to make sure you're yeah. holding on. But sometimes when that isn't even like an option, that's when it's flow state and you're just like, all right, I'm feeling this. This is the moment. This is the peak. And this is like, this is where it's at. And, and in so, our heads, you got to be in the right spot too because if you're in the wrong spot, you won't like the photo as much as you could have liked it if you're in that other spot. There's so a, lot, many, a lot to get to the flow state. So many variables. And I, I, I've seen you in the flow state. When you, yeah, when, when Andy, you got Andy those gets two all excited. Because he's got the two cameras going and he's walking around. Yeah. And and then, you know what though, I will say when whenever Andy, actually I'll say both of you guys, but since Andy's the guest, I'll make it about him on this. But every time you've been like, you should do it again. It's always it was always worth it. It was always when in the magazine. Yeah, we always, try not to ask unless we have. Oh, to. Dude, it's the worst thing to have to ask. Yeah, worst unless thing. it's worth it. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. It depends on the feature for the rider though. Because if it's like a like a it's gnarly, too gnarly, yeah. Let's say it's like a like a, a gnarly kink rail. Like I'll I'll give an example of a trick. Like I front boarded this like big triple kink once, and the photographer was like, "Hey, do you mind doing one without the filmer?" When in the uh, stairs when I'm done. And I was like, absolutely, I'll do that for sure. And land it, it, I'm like, I am not jumping on that fucking rail again. Because yeah. every time that, tr- like, it's like you have to really, once your adrenaline comes down, yeah. right, you, you're really focused and you, you know, you've maybe tried it a hundred times. Every one of those tries, adrenaline, focus. And then once you land it, that all goes away. You can't just hop back on that bitch. Well, and we That's don't want to be smoked. the and guy I don't that ask gets you, you hurt. Yeah. yeah, and also, like, dude, maybe we get, we're going to get rolled but before that even happens. So, like, for us, we come to a spot and you're like, you're like, oh, I'm going to, like, front board pretzel or I'm going to 270 and you're going to cap two. And I'm like, oh, that's going to look like shit. But, it, but, uh, but then I know you're going to front board it first to feel it out. Yeah. So then you got to be ready. Yeah. Because it's like people are setting things up, film or setting up lights or something, and you're thinking you're practicing, and I'm like, this is He's as good as his photo. Yeah, I'm like, this is as good as it's going to get for me. So I got to get this now. Especially if it's at night. Uh, let, let's yeah. bring up a little Andy quote uh, from a rail trip that I've heard a few times. He goes, oh, down bar? That means sitting in the car looking at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so basically there was an era where, you know, people – Started doing the car toes, and people started doing little like urban gaps. We'll call them, little. and th- and then <laughs> eventually Dan Breezy came to the scene and started flying from building to building. Now around that time, there was like kind of a roof gap craze, and he was like, it was crazy imagery. You know, I was like thinking we were thinking people were gonna start dying soon, and uh, you know, you know, same. Yeah, and, I, I and felt that way. <laughs> both of you guys, you know, Andy was 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 uh, shooting shooting Dan Breezy a lot during this era, and it was like seemed like you guys would get a cover or you know two page spread. Everything he shot was just gold at the time, 
And I remember you were shooting with us, and I said to you, uh, to you, I said, "Hey, Andy, why aren't you out shooting breezy right now? Why are you with the the B squad?" And your your answer, your response was, "Well, you can't eat steak every night for dinner. You really can't. <laughs> you get old. <laughs> Got to mix it up. It's veggies, the potatoes, good garlic toast. It's what makes makes you appreciate the steak even more." So thanks for providing all the sides, <laughs> all the side dishes. <laughs> Dude, there is meal. those building gaps. It's being in the gut wide angle is just the scariest thing on some of those Dan shots because you could he could die, man. Dude, the first time it ever so happened, glad he made it out of that. The first one it happened on. Which one was it? It's the one down by uh, Trader Joe's. Heights. No, Trader oh, Joe's. Trader off Joe's. Seven. Yep, that one. And I, we'd done a little one, uh, the one by Alta High School. Yep, that one wasn't too crazy. But the, the thing that kind of was opening that up, because it was, it was the winch era was coming around, and I had randomly, like, kind of hooked up with this guy who was, like, making winches. Like, friend of a friend hooked him up. He's like, dude, you got to check this thing out. This dude's, like, he's making these wakeboard winches. And uh, I was like, huh? What the hell? Okay. That, he's like, I've seen what you guys do. I think you'd really use it. I'm like, okay, what the hell? So I met He's like, come just check it out. And so I did the test run on it. He's like, meet me at the school. And then we just, like... He put towed me across this field, and I'm like, "All right, how do I get one of these?" He's like, "I want to sell these. I'm developing it. So if you will just like help me develop it, I'll just give you this." Is this the winch that broke someone's femur? No, not oh, mine. Okay, Nobody. somebody had one. That no, they, they left a handle on it or something. Yeah, so I had this winch, dude, and I think it was it was probably the first winch, at least that wasn't attached to like a motorcycle. Like there were some sketchy ones in Minnesota that were on the back wheel of a Harley oh. or something. It's kind of similar era, but I had this one, and this this dude gave it to me, and he worked in like a machine shop around town, so it would, it would break every day, and I'd just go down there, hey, can you fix this? Can you, can you fix this? So anyway, that was what opened up these gaps. And so, you know, I was like, I don't know if it was Dan's idea for his mind, or maybe he was like, oh, you got the winch. I want to do this little gap. And that was the one by Alton, and that was reasonable, but it yeah. was sick. And then uh, I think that was kind of a good snow week we had in the valley that time, and uh, he's like, oh, I want to do this closeout. And so, like, it's over by, the, you know, like we were talking the spot by Trolley Square. Oh, that closeout. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to nose press it. And uh, I'm like, oh, it'll be a sick shot. And he does it. Um, well, first of all, we're setting it up. And and I'm like, totally joking. I'm like, oh, that roof's right there. You bet you could jump to that. And you were joking. And 100% joking. Like, not even serious. And he looks at me. He's like, let's do it. And I was, was like, this, you think, the first real roof first, ever done? Yeah. And I was like, like, oh, no. You were joking. Yeah. And I was like, shit, this was my idea. If he gets hurt, it's on you. It's on me. And he's, I'm like, no, 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 you think you can do that? He's like, dude, totally. He's like, I'll do this nose, I'll do this little nose press on this closeout now, and we'll come back tomorrow and do this. And dude, we came back there, and he did it the next day, and it was sketchy. It was, it was the winch wasn't fast enough. Carto, yeah, carto for sure, which adds another element. And so, yeah, he did it, and dude, no problem. But that was. That when that happened, that was like wow, then revolutionary. They got bigger and bigger and, and then, higher. <laughs> yeah, and then it was like a year later, maybe two. I can't remember, but when he did the one over by your house, dude, I went and looked at that like a week ago, and still, every time I see it, I'm like, this is so jacked. I don't think anyone will ever do that, nor should they. No, that was stupid, and it's crazy. Like it was one of those times where you know, like it gets to be February in Salt Lake, and you're like, it might not snow in the valley again. And uh, we had had a storm, but it wasn't quite enough. And it was kind of like, it's going to rain. And he's like, I'm doing it. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, one sec. 
beer break. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's not much snow, whatever. And uh, we'd had a good week. It was melting out, right? Totally melting out. We'd had a good week, and it was pretty. It was, uh, you know, we'd gotten a lot of shots. I think he was shooting for absinthe, and uh, I was, and you know, I was, I was dating soon to be my wife, and she lived in Portland, and she's like, I want to come visit you. Want to come visit you? I'm like, yeah, it's hard, but you know, the snow's pretty much melted. Come this weekend, it'll be fine. Like, there's nothing else to shoot. We'll hang. It'll be fine. So, of course, she lands, and then I get the call. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I got to go shoot this thing really quick. And uh, it's just really important. She's like, really? I took time off work. I'm here. I flew out to see you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, gotta trust me. <laughs> yeah, I got to do this. <laughs> so we roll up, and there's this tiny board. Did she come with, with you? Yeah, she came, to the, she came to the spot. And there's this, like, you know, strip of snow, the width of a board. And for that thing so sketchy we'll cue up this photo yeah and so uh can see it and then get it all set up it's getting dark and it was like just nobody was motivated Everyone was tired from a week of shoveling and you know and nobody really no one else was gonna hit it so none of the riders are all that psyched so anyway it happens it's almost dance like screw it, let's just do it and uh slings up the car tow my wife actually drove the car that picked him up on the other side to shuttle him back. Nice. <laughs> and she's like, after he did it one time, she's like, she's like, he did it. I, I'm so used to watching Jackass. I just thought he was gonna like fall and get hurt because that's what you guys do. <laughs> I'm like, he would have died. Yeah, there's no on that <laughs> yes. thing. She's like, that's so cool. He did it, and I think like <laughs> she's driving him back to the, you know, to get, get another one. She's like, oh, that's really neat that you yeah, came over that thing. With Dan. And he's just like, Dan in the zone at the time. And here's some. <laughs> chick that just got thrown into the scene mixing it up with him and uh he was, probably had laser dan focus laser <laughs> yeah. laser and I so mean, that's do or die on that yeah and and that was the gnarliest one there's i that don't one landed on the cover it wasn't a cover because it was a spread it was so wide yeah, oh it was yeah a spread the distance was like yeah crazy. it wasn't set up but i don't know maybe you know different i think that's the gnarliest one ever done i think it's the as far as consequence uh, consequence factor yeah and and I remember, like, I think the I was with... distance might be the furthest. And just everything. And I yeah. think Jeremy kind of l- looked at it once years ago and laughed. And it was in my mind. And so after the, you know, after the can had been open for roof caps, I'm like, Dan... Let's check this out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Dan, I got a spot for you. But I got to make you a deal. Or I need you to make me a deal. You can't tell anyone I took you here. This was your idea. Because I was worried. I was like, you know, maybe Jeremy's going to do this someday. Yeah, true. You never And it know. was kind of like, he might have shown me the spot. I think we would have found it eventually or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, it's fine. And I'm like, look, and I don't really want to be known as the guy that's just pushing people into roof gaps. So as far as the story goes, and this is the first time I've ever really like come clean on this between me and Dan, I'm like, this is your spot. And that also kind of absolved me a little bit of like, oh, you know, it gets hurt. <laughs> it was his idea. <laughs> thing was hairball, man. Dude, it was so crazy. Like, it's just, it was messed. See, I shot one with Dan. It was really easy to clear, but it was like seven stories high. Oh, in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. That and one. like Duluth. The, yeah, the Duluth one. The chances of not clearing it are very slim, but if you didn't clear it, straight up death. You know, if the rope, it was a car tow. Yeah. But the scariest part was it was all icy on the roof, and Randy... Like, could almost not stop to yep. give him the speed Dude, he needed. that's another element of it, and too. And I, I remember Randy getting out of the car, like, in tears because he, like, almost killed Dan because the, they didn't get enough speed, but luckily he didn't go. Yeah, and Dan's probably yelling at him. And he was, do it again. Dan was yelling at him. Yeah, and he was seriously, like, on his knees, like, crying. <laughs> like, dude, I'm not trying to kill you today. And I think that was the last gap Dan ever did. I he think was it was, Because he finally too. just, like, 
this shit is jacked. And dude, he had that a kid. One, and that one was just, yeah, that's the high water Something mark. went wrong. It's like there's no coming back. That photo, all time. You got a couple angles on that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, it was him and Bjorn. But on maybe on yours, the height, maybe he wouldn't have died, but I don't know. He probably would. I think I you would die because of your the speed, impact, speed. the speed. Yeah, he would, and he would have gone right into that cement wall. Yeah. Yeah. And you just shouldn't be out having sessions where there's a chance of death. That was the gnarliest one. Yeah, that one above that you shot. Too, when it was, that was the cover, the yeah, one that, that was one, above. That's it. what I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Is the cover one. That one yeah. was really creative that, perspective. Yeah, and that was that was like pretty. It was more of a step down. And the landing. Yeah, and through like a. It was a weird landing, onto landing. A, into a patio landing, but yeah. like better chance of not dying. Yeah. on that one. But and really, that, and cool more looking. and more aesthetic, yeah, yeah, more aesthetic. Yeah. You know what's an incredible thing about uh, that era, though? If you think about, it's kind of pivoted from that. Now people aren't doing as like giant of builds on these landings. It's not as like extravagant of street builds from what I'm seeing. But if you think about Dan, I hope we have him on the show one day to talk about this. But he used to have a enclosed trailer that was like the mobile. <laughs> it was so sick, like assault unit. <laughs> he had a he had a skid steer, which is like a bobcat in there. He had like every shovel, you ever generator, needed. winch, and you're driving around. You're renting heavy equipment to build a snowboard spot. It's like so ridiculous. Sometimes they'd give him the heavy equipment for free too, yeah. just because they he'd go in do the top. We'd get permission to hit spots with him yeah. off a fake waiver, maybe that oh, he made. Man. Yeah, I mean, dude, I hit a spot in a rock quarry that one on the like a weird yellow crane thing. That yeah, that was slides. a sick one. That's a sick one. Great Holy shot. crap! And he walked into this building and get sweet, huh? sweet talked him into permission. It was insane. I mean, there was no way you were doing it otherwise. It yeah. was basically, I have nothing to lose. But it was in his hometown where he grew up, like Cold Springs, Minnesota. Local hero. Yeah, he's kind of a local <laughs> hero. And, dude, I don't know what the guy who gave permission was thinking. What are they going to get out of this? Yeah. They're yeah, getting like, they a get signed nothing. poster in the break room. <laughs> a story <laughs> to tell. Local had, like, hero Dan. multi-million dollar lawsuit <laughs> instead. It's like risk-reward yeah. on that was so He had that so fake waiver, though. Yeah. Dude, I wouldn't, yeah. I and it was X Games always got people excited. Yeah. Might have been the last like urban spot I shot with Dan. But really, that was, that was a sick one. Going out that was with a bang. pretzel. Yeah, yeah, that was a dope spot. Yeah. All right, it's time for a special part of the show. You know what that is, Andy? <laughs> Might be special to you. <laughs> That's the attitude. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Name That Video Part is presented by the Dew Tour. Now, one thing about the Dew Tour that is really cool that doesn't get talked about enough is the Adaptive Slalom. So they have a race with all kinds of great people in it. And, you know, one story I was reading was a guy who has a prosthetic leg that was blown off from an IED over in Afghanistan and uh, out there racing. And it's just kick-ass event. So major shout-out to the Dew Tour. Hopefully it happens this year and you guys get a chance to check it out. Now let's get into Name That Video Part, which is uh, part of the show that photographers don't give a shit about. <laughs> Not true. I, I, <laughs> I respect I respect your guys' passion. You're students of the game. It's just not what really drove us to, like, to get where we're at. But, dude, nothing but respect, you know. Um, I got to say, though, if I – just about negative confidence and i know everybody says their confidence is pretty low in this but if you can find a video that i know this says more about you than it does about me because that that's how much of a Chris student the game to throw you up are. Some meatballs. yeah well, let's just say that because i 
literally can only think of about two songs that I would recognize from a video part, and you played one of them recently, so that's So he's out. not going to play that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was funny. I was listening to that episode. It was actually Haley, Haley's episode, and immediately the song came on, and I was like, oh, that's Ika. And uh, so I can see the twitch. I can see where that comes from because I just love the song always, and I love Ika. But I was always like, so I watched that video a lot, and I thought. So we needed a 0 through 10 scale then. Tell us your confidence level. It's going to be the smallest number possible above zero. <laughs> Point zero, 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 zero. Yeah, name the decimal. <laughs> but, name that you know, decimal You're point. good with the hints, though, so maybe we can get there. Uh, okay. All right, I'm just going to – I'll give you a hint before, since you're so low in confidence. It may be one of your big-time bros. Here we go. <laughs> I know it's the spits. Yeah, I can picture this mm-hmm. part. It's definitely the spits. It's probably from Love Hate. That's correct. Um, and it's probably Mikey. That is incorrect. Matty Ryan. Incorrect. Damn it. Okay, wait, hold on. You just you, I <laughs> we actually, got two of them down. I right actually there. have no idea who it is. I just knew it, you got to give me a little props. So I knew the video. Yeah. yeah. And if, I always know the band. By the way, when you play it, it seems like give except, me a unless second. it's hip hop. But uh, name some other people in the movie. All right. Okay. Daryl Mathis. That is correct. <laughs> We're going to give you this participation. Come award. on. Kind of earned it. Well, yeah, you earned oh, it. Oh, you earned it. A little it. bit. You got the, I've earned you got it a little more. movie, dude. <laughs> what we got here is the igloo cooler that is wrapped in all over print. It's going to go nice in your new. And uh, uh, you yes, got a bombhole crew neck in there and a bombhole mug, a Stony Buds air freshener. Woo! All of which will go great in the new rig. All will go great in the new rig. Thanks, guys. That's. Wow, I feel, I feel a lot like better now. I was thinking. I um, I think Daryl's going to be disappointed. Yeah, he probably is. Well, you threw it off because you were like, it's one of your big time bugs. That made and me so think it, it, it could have. I know. I was like, is it going to. Because you've given some people some meatballs before. And I'm like, would he really do it this obvious? And I was like, whatever. It was going to be one of those two guys. But anyway, great song and obviously great video. Okay. Well, let's get into the name that video part section that is for the listeners. Hey, uh, real quick, those uh, prize packs are on the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how behind we are, but they're coming, you know? Send us, if you haven't got yours, send a DM. I'll put it back on the list. We'll get it out. Appreciate your guys' patience for our absolute junk show. You may Squeaky think, wheel gets a grease, so hit true. me up. You may think we're a legitimate operation. That is far from the truth. You guys know the drill. Name that video part. Here we go. I keep that ba 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 kush. And then wo 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 That's just okay. a classic. All right. And that is my dog. Don't know who that is. And... Thank you, guys. Is that Tommy Jesse Video Gracias? <laughs> kind of feels like we're coming back from halftime. We yes, are. It is. It is. And I, I want to jump right into some fucking hot takes, dude. Hot take. All right. What you got? Okay, MJ is snowboarding. Who you got? You're going there. <laughs> it's probably a generational thing, but it's hard to say that Terrier... Is not the M- the MJ, and it's Terrier, not Terrier. What I hear you say every week. I don't know if there's you say it like there's a U in there, like Terrier. Terrier. Like I don't know the guy. I don't know the fucking say his name. It sounds like you've been hanging Turgier. out. It sounds like you've been hanging out in Oslo too many times. Terrier. You're trying to like adapt. Yeah, do a little like a uh, sponge up the accent with the way you say it. See, I'm with Andy on that. I got a little French Canadian in me. A little. It's a little French info. I'm gonna hey. go Terrier, and I'm gonna go Terrier just for a couple reasons. So, you know, obviously different era, but 
the way he came up, he dominated the contest scene. He also like raised the stakes. He took everything to a lot higher level than it ever anyone thought was possible. And then he went out and made videos. And the videos were like monumental. Like crazy stuff. At least to us. I hope you watch those videos. Subject Hawkinson is a phenomenal flick. Yeah. And so, you know, and he's still doing it. So it's hard for me to not. But again, like I know I've I you know, I've heard you throw out JP and it's you can make a really good argument for that too. I think it's maybe a generational thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, the hot take, Terry Hawkinson. You're entitled to your opinion. Okay, next question. Worst trend in snowboarding? Worst trend in snowboarding. And this can be past or present? Yeah. You kind of... Or future. Yeah, hit it. All right. Let them know, dude. <laughs> Let it bark. I think you know where I'm going because we talked about it on the Patreon. But, uh, and no disrespect because I think you're a very talented rider. And I'm glad I don't see it happen too many times. And I'm glad I didn't inspire a big movement. But the whole rolling around on the back thing between the hits, and just it was a hard one for me. And it was a hard one for a lot of people I've talked to. So I'm glad that one's maybe come and gone. But bonus round on that. And I, again, sorry, Chris, but the front flip out, that has no place in snowboarding. <laughs> Let's go. You're not alone in that. A lot of people hate the front flip. Really not a good look. Dude, it's the worst when you don't know it's coming. And exactly. then it happens. You're just like, whoa. You want to you talk, talk about a bad photo? Yeah. Do anything flip front flip related, really, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. You, t- you want to talk about uh, grabbing a defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know what the, my shit is with front flips, though? I, I was a hater, avid hater. You were? You used to be? Actually, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to be honest. I was never a hater. Okay. I rode with Scott and Beresford, and they could front flip any little undulation in the snow. And I just couldn't do it. I want to learn them so bad, okay? And then when I finally learned them, I realized if anybody hasn't ever done a front flip, they are fun as fuck, dude. Like, you can't, you, once you learn, you just, oh, you just tip over and you just land, do a flip, land back on your board. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the people that hate on front flips are people that can't, that aren't busting them because they're fun as shit. <laughs> All right, well, wackest brand. Ooh, uh, maybe a brand that owes you money that fucked you over. Maybe let's get some shit going. Or just a whack brand. <laughs> they're out there. I don't know. Head snowboards. Uh, I don't know if they're still Are around. Are they still? I don't know if they're around or not. And dude, I uh, see those. Fuckers. Dude, little side story. Like the only like I have a dream job. I think you probably feel the same way, yeah. Sony. And like they hit me up to do a photo shoot once, and it was good money. Only, you said no? No, only a fool would say no. And I, <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, yeah. especially especially 2020 money. Like, yeah. it's fucking crazy. Your salary almost. But this <laughs> is, like, in the heyday. And, it's like, and so, you know, like, I'm, like, skipping out on Mac Dog shoots because I got to go do this head shoot because you can't say no. In, yeah. like, middle of winter, their team I hadn't heard of, like, three quarters of the people. And I went and I'm like, how bad could it be? It's totally worth it. I was miserable. Really? Ten days, pure misery. And so I guess I always have this thing in my... Where'd you go? It was it was all in Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, the kids were probably so excited Andy Wright was there. Kind of, maybe. I don't know. It was... There was a couple cool dudes on, yeah. the, on the brand, like Michael Goldschmidt. You guys probably... I grew up competing against Yeah, he was it. probably one yeah, of your he, boys. Goldie. He, yeah, he fucking mopped me up in half by Mopped contest. you up. He was cool. But it was that bad, huh? Yeah, it was just, I just felt like a sellout. And it was like the first time it felt like work. Where I was just like, you know what? This feels like a job. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't, it's not often it feels like it's a job. It's not often it feels yeah. like a job. So for me, it's got to be head, just for that okay, reason. We, like got, that. we got some more hot takes here. I got a bunch. So 
Uh, hardest worker. There's, there's a lot of dudes in that category, or just a few that just not one more than the other, but I mean, Jeremy comes to mind, obviously, because I just listened to his episode. Jeremy Jones. Jeremy right. Jones, sorry. Uh, Seth Hewitt and, uh, and Torstein Horgmo. That guy works his butt off. So uh, those guys, there's no, like, thing they can't. And, and Dan Breesy too, man. Dan really puts in the work. And there's really, like, no obstacle that they can't overcome to making something happen, and you've probably experienced yeah. it too. It's like there's nothing like that when there's just there's nothing that's going to stop them. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, we got to the spot. There's a lamp post in the way. Oh, we'll just come back tonight and cut out the lamp. Yeah, post. We'll, we'll just we'll just remove <laughs> straight this. up. Yeah, they will. yeah. Or they're just like, oh, the you know, it's like I don't know, so many things you can overcome, and th- and they do. I mean, I would never. I'd be like, oh well, next. I guess we're not shooting this. They're like, what do you mean? What? Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? We'll remove the yeah. deck off this house. So yeah. Th- <laughs> Those four guys are probably the hardest working guys I've probably Kane, experienced. I got a new hot take for you. Laziest snowboarder. Jen Anderson. Jed? <laughs> <laughs> He's giving air horn. <laughs> Sorry. Nothing but respect, but that dude. You went quick on I that, mean, too. He didn't have to think. Dude didn't even know which which way to turn the shovel, let alone how to use it. <laughs> and, like, there was an era. Dude, Jed, I love you. Yeah, Fucking, he's one of the best. If not. He's just not yeah. moving a lot of volume when it comes to snow. Like, yeah. But, I mean, like, dude, I was on a trip, and, like, Kuzik was carrying his gloves around for him and stuff like that. I mean, it was, like... Really? It was ridiculous. So, it's got to go to Just because he'd forget him? I just, like, couldn't just, be bothered. Yeah, with, like, couldn't be bothered. Yeah, that stuff. But, like, I don't know. It probably comes with the territory of just being such a natural town. Everything yeah. comes so easy for him, and, uh, and everything would just get set up. But, like, I'm sure he sets up his spots now, but back then it was... Yeah, he probably has a whole new approach now. I would imagine. Okay, I know you're big on football. I know you're a big Steelers fan. Understatement. Okay, um, uh, who's the... <laughs> we'll start with this one because this will be a great... Uh, see where it goes. Who's the Tom Brady of snowboarding for you? Well, <laughs> did we not? Here we go. Here we go. Well, it wouldn't not be Terry. I mean, Tom Brady, Tom Brady is kind of unquestionably the GOAT. I'll give him his respect. You know what? I, I got... Dude, I'm a fan of the game. Okay. I don't have to... I can hate the player, but I can love the game. Mm-hmm. That guy's good. And he's proven it on the biggest stage. And obviously, you know, Patriots have been a big thorn in the side. Sorry, you're about to fall asleep over there, Stone. This is what? What are you guys talking about? Football segment of the uh, podcast. I don't even know what football is. You're going to have to reel us back in. But now Brady's done it on the biggest stage, man, and he's delivered. So, I mean, you could say Sean White, too, just because of the accolades, I suppose. You know, obviously Sean White has won everything. Brady's won everything, has every record. So, between those two. Okay, uh, you Steelers fan. Who's the Ben Roethlisberger of uh, snowboarding? <laughs> well, if Will, I don't even it, know who that is, that's the quarterback of the Steelers. If Will Ferrell snowboards, <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer though. It makes me want to know who he is. It's <laughs> a big guy. Who was that guy uh, years ago? Uh, Charlie Maracci. Oh yeah, there oh, you go. There you go. He's kind of a bigger dude, right? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe uh, what's? Oh God, I hate that I can't think of his name. Marcus. Marcus uh, Rand? Marcus Rand. So we're gonna we're, our take is Marcus Rand is the Ben Roethlisberger of snowboarding. Yeah. I love it. He's one of those guys. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. All right, let's pivot into some some other chat. I got one quick question. Okay. Sure. What's your uh, favorite photo you ever shot? No, it's a hard question. Oh man, that's the impossible one. It Hold is. On. Uh, you don't have to answer it. Yeah. Do you do you have one? No, I couldn't I don't I couldn't figure that's that impossible. one out. Let's let's like you know what's your favorite kid? Or yeah. What's your favorite song ever? So I mean, I'd end up getting on so many, and then it would change. And, I know, but I didn't exactly. know if maybe you had one that stood out for you. And you have so much like emotional attachment to the shots. Yeah, that's like 
it's just weird things. So the the answer you're supposed to say is the next one I'm gonna take. <laughs> is that the answer? <laughs> yeah, that's what you're supposed to. Say. I haven't, I haven't shot it yet, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, got, I want to go one more Patreon. Yeah, yeah hit him with a Patreon because we're just talking about some photography stuff. Um, and this one you might be able to answer. This is from uh, Jeremy Richardson, and he says, you're sitting down with Andy Wright, WTF. That guy is a G. So he gives you a little props. Give him a little air horn. Right. Thanks yeah. for that. Andy. I don't get that often. Yeah, I thought you might like that. <laughs> he says, uh, Andy, if you could shoot with only one lens for the rest of your life, which would it be? 70 to 200. The old money maker, huh? It's the money maker. You call it that too? Yeah. For sure. It's hard not to say fish. Yeah, true. It's basically. I'm more of a, uh, I'm more of a, definitely 7,200. Fish makes the magic when it works though. Yeah. That's when it becomes unreal. When it's right. Surreal. Yeah. Like you're just like, it didn't look anything like this in real life, but this is what's on my camera. But 7,200 is just the workhorse. And yours is a Canon 7,200, correct? It is a Canon 7,200. Yours is a Nikon, Nikon, correct? Nikon, yeah. Okay, great. I just want to clarify that for the uh, for the viewers. I'm not, I don't know. If, what do you, I don't think. I don't think there's a difference. I don't think gear yeah. really matters. A lot of people actually have been hitting me up lately asking me, like, what camera should I get? And I'm usually just Nikon, Canon, Sony, can't go wrong. You know dude shooting Sonys? No, but I, th- I hear a lot of people talking about it, so I throw it on the list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys got to get a deal. Somebody's got to give you guys a deal, so you say, you know what? Nikon is the one you want. Uh, dude, not many deals being thrown around. I think I just saw Atiba got hooked up with uh I Canon. saw that, huh? And I think because they're trying to really push that mirrorless thing. Yeah. Because they're doing the mirrorless, but he's on Atiba Jefferson. Because I saw Pierre left a funny comment on there making fun of their, uh, they were like, look at Atiba's unique perspective. And, and uh, Pierre was like, Unique perspective. What the fuck? He said something like that, just totally calling him out on their whack text. Pierre, Pierre Wickberg? Yeah. Is there any better troll in yeah. snowboarding than Pierre Wickberg? He was so good. Air with horn, it. please. Yeah, oh, big time. <laughs> He's so awesome. King but, hater. And then he screenshotted his comment on Atiba's thing and put it in his story. Love it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was just last night, too. That so guy funny. goes to battle. Yeah, loves it. Keyboard warrior. Okay, well, while we're on the subject of photog stuff, I got, uh, I mean, obviously... Big, He's a photographer. Big subject yeah. here. Um, we got a guest question. And uh, oh. the guest question is presented by Solomon Snowboards. And since we've been doing this, I've actually been riding a bunch of the Solomons. And I've landed on the Solomon six-piece being my favorite board after riding other ones. Uh, it turns like a dream. I ride it. As far as park boards, it's kind of on the stiffer side of things. But, uh, yeah, like... I mean, if you like a, like a real noodle, it's maybe not your board. But for me, I'm absolutely loving that board. The Solomon six-piece, I ride the 155. And with that, let it... <clears throat> I ride the biggest one, and it's dope, too. I, I agree. What that The biggest one's a 155. Is it? I thought there was yeah. one bigger. No, that's it. Are you sure? Yeah, it's my, it's my, it's my board, dude. I thought I was riding a 157. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in increments of five. 145, uh, 150, 155. He but might know. Anyway, uh, I didn't... <laughs> sounds about right, though, yeah. for me. <laughs> So um, I'm gonna call it a 157. Yeah, just we, for prosperity's sake. <laughs> so uh, Bud's favorite is the non-existent 157. Let's get into the guest question from none other than Daryl Mathis. 
What's up guys, this is Daryl Mathis. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to Eastone and Grandies. Thanks for having me on Bomb Hall. Uh, Andy Wright, this question is for you. However, I know if Eastone had to answer this question, who he would pick. But this question is for Andy Wright. Uh, we all know that you had plenty of covers for Transworld. And if you had to narrow it down just to one, what cover would that be? And maybe you can give us a little bit behind the scenes of that day when you took that photo and did you even think that was going to be a cover? All right, guys, take care. Tough question, but I'm going to go with my cover of Arthur Longo over at this gap in France. And the reason why, first of all, I love the photo. Uh, one of my favorites still, it's one to this day I look at, and if I took it today, I would be frothing. Uh, couldn't believe the back of my camera went, it would just look surreal, but... The reason I choose that and it uh, sticks out is uh, it's a fold-out gate gate spread cover, double, I don't know what you would call it. Like double, a, double page butt cheek spread. I think they spread. call them gate spreads. <laughs> yeah, something. something like that. Anyway, so it was, it was my only fold-out cover, and I think maybe the only fold-out cover they ever did for Transworld. So it was kind the of snowboarder an, only did one as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of one of those shots where like I they just made it work because they were like, this has to be a cover. It can't be cropped. And uh, props to them for... You know, I'm sure it wasn't easy to probably talk to the whoever had the inside front cover for that issue. It was probably you had to sell that, right? Yeah, just be like, look, guys, we're going to do something different and probably going to cost you a little bit more. But anyway, that was my shot, and uh, that was actually, thanks, that was an easy answer. Stand behind that. Another cover I want to talk about, too, uh, was Mikey LeBlanc. Uh, on his episode, he talked about how he went to a silent retreat, and during the silent retreat, oh, yeah. he uh, basically like lined up a time for you to shoot a uh, cover, right? Well, we didn't know it was going to be a cover at the time, but yeah, yeah, this this story, it's just too amazing. And Mikey did a pretty good job covering it, but I mean, everything he said was true. And just to like recap, it was, you know, Mikey was, he, you know, obviously into his, his Zen retreats, um, obviously Zen Buddhism, and part of that is doing these like really intense retreats where they go and don't talk to each other for like a weeks at a time or something like that, but it had just snowed, and there was this this uh, fence gap over by East High. I'm sure you've seen it. And uh, he'd actually tried it maybe a year prior. We were shooting that big down bar that's just a little further down that's now, like, knobbed to hell that no one ever does anymore, and he didn't want any piece of that. And uh, so he's like, I'm going to go set up this fence thing and uh, come over when you guys are done. And we went over there, and um, I think he clipped when he went over at that time, maybe not enough speed or something went wrong. He didn't get, like, hurt. I mean, he never really got hurt. But uh, it was probably always on his mind to come back and do it again when they got snow, and it was probably a couple of years. And But he was like, dude, remember that fence? I want to do that. Or maybe this was all via text because, you know, obviously he wasn't talking. But it was like, I have a break from 10.30 to 11.15 tomorrow or something ridiculous small 45 window. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Meet me there at 10.40 and uh, let's shoot this. And, dude, there wasn't that much snow. It was like November probably early he hadn't snowboarded like not once not like oh, i went to the mountain or there's this pre-bone zoner spot or anything like that guaranteed first time strapping in for the year and it was just straight to that thing and uh front one it it was just one of those ones that just worked it was amazing and he didn't talk to you the whole time uh, he might have i think he might have broken ranks he was too <laughs> pumped up yeah that would be hard but mike used to do this awesome thing where he would like match the kit to the spot so he showed. Uh, did he talk about that? Yeah, he did. Forty Nineers jacket. Mm -hmm. 
classic. And it totally matched the spot. Yeah, it was amazing. That was an amazing photo. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of those ones that just worked out. No lighting. It was just good light early morning and just, just made it happen. So, and um, love that shot still to this and day. And that, that spot's still there, but didn't they build something near it or something? Yeah, I think there's some yeah. Dude, building. I'll never forget the amount of times if somebody rolls up wearing, like, black pants and a black hoodie. <laughs> just, <laughs> for a photographer, like, Andy be like, do you have anything more black that you can wear? Because, yeah. like, basically. Especially you got someone like Andy who enjoys flash photography. Black just absorbs your flash. And, and white's worse. Yeah, white. White, pops, and, like, white and flash is actually <laughs> yeah, worse. Yeah. But black's tough, obviously, for a lot of reasons, but especially at night. Any part yeah. of you against the sky, you kind of get amputated. But, yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of my quotes I've worn out a lot over the years. Is that the the blackest thing you have? The color yeah. just makes the Dark, shot look better, unfortunately. You want that Skittles red pants, <laughs> Kind of, because you can cross the line, too. You know <laughs> what I mean? It gets too crazy sometimes. Dude, it's though. like, that's part of being, like, a successful pro is knowing yeah. how to dress yourself. No, there's just what to wear. Yeah, like, there's, I mean, you do a good job. And I notice you always talk about kits. Kits are big on your mind. We talked about it today, I think. I wore my Patriots, for the listeners that aren't watching, I wore my uh, Patriots crew neck to uh, make Andy angry. <laughs> But yeah, dudes that know how to dress or like, and and, and tastefully, you know what I mean, and like not look like kooks. I mean, helps their like, image too. What about um, shitty trick, incredible kit? Does that combo work or it helps? I think it can help. <laughs> See, yeah. I've heard Joe Sexton be be like, I don't know, I just I just really like my outfit on that spot. <laughs> You've heard him say that. Oh yeah, he definitely pushed the envelope. He was very kit conscious. Can we coin that term? Kit yeah, conscious? he's kit, kit conscious. conscious. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You could throw him for a loop. You'd be like, Joe, your pants, they look a little weird. Dude, I <laughs> should, I'll, I'll throw you a couple photos to run in the uh, episode of like, kits that Joe's run over the years. Remember when he first came out, dude, he'd watch some wild stuff. It was like big, big jerseys maybe with super tight pants, I think, when he first oh, yeah. dropped. And long yeah. hair. Yeah, and his long hair. A little lost at that moment. He was on Tech 9. He was like, he was like a gypsy, but then he was also wearing the Tech Nine jersey. Yeah, he was just out there. Well, whatever sticks. Yeah, worked for him, I guess. Look at him now; he's yeah. doing great. Look at him now. Uh, okay, well, another thing that's cool, being somebody from our kind of uh, cut from similar cloth of the snowboarding culture, what you've managed to do with your money, which we can mm. we can go back and cover some biscuits in a little bit, but I always thought it was cool how you took the biscuits that you earned from uh, snowboarding photography, and why don't you tell the people what you did with them and kind of set yourself up? Well, I'm a bit of a hoarder comes that money. I don't, me and my money, I don't like to part with it. I'm sure that's no secret amongst people who know me, but uh, I've I've just invested a little bit in real estate and a little bit in the stock market. I got, got pretty lucky. I hit a home run with Apple. I got in at a good time. You got in way early, right? I mean, I didn't think it was early at the time, but it was a good time to jump in. It was, you know, like when it was all melting down in 2008, the first crash, and it felt crazy. And I'm not a stock guy. I've only lost money in stocks before. Like, I'm the fool that bought uh, ride stock. Oh, you didn't did? make any money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bought ride stock. And, they, and then also on the investment tip, and maybe you're in the same boat, but I mean, I'm a, I was an investor in a hotel in yeah. South Lake Tahoe. Two one, of them. One called The Block. Yeah. By... You know, great Still recovering. Yeah, still recovering. (laughs) But, dude, I was, I mean, well, I don't know how deep you were in, but, you know, I was. Too deep. Yeah. I was in, like, 24K, probably. I was in that twice. Yeah. One in each. But different era, man. Money flowed. Yeah. 24K just didn't seem like. it's 
That's a psychotic amount of money right I now. I used to think about money and buying stuff as like, ah, oh, it's just selling one photo. I can buy that. Yeah, well, well. Was, no, like not that, <laughs> yeah. but like if something costs oh, like yeah, two yeah. grand or 2500 yeah, 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 it's like, sure. that's one photo. Fuck it. Yeah, like when you're shopping for camera gear and lenses yeah. and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's a photo. I would just think of things as a photo, but now it's a whole different world. Yeah, so I had some misses, but then I got, you know, I got, I got lucky on, on the Apple. And But, I mean, I've been a fan of Apple. I think I... You know, going back to when I was the desktop publishing guru at Kinko's, they put me on an Apple computer, and I was just, like, all in. I was, like I was saying, studying the catalogs and stuff like that. So it was kind of an easy decision. But actually what led me to it, that I'd been wanting to do it for years, and they were dropping the iPhone. The first iPhone was coming out, and I'd always, I'm sure several people had always kind of envisioned, like, okay, what if we had a phone that did all these things? So they're coming out with the iPhone, and I'm like, I should go buy one. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to buy the stock and when the stock makes me enough money to buy the phone, I'll buy the phone. Three hours later. <laughs> Three hours? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was probably the <laughs> yeah, same day. Much. Yeah, the phone uh, drops. Like, what kind of investment are we talking? Initial investment? Uh, I went in pretty big on Apple. Well, so initially, I didn't go that big. I was just like, I'm gonna, I'll put $1,000 in, and I'll get a phone. And, you know, that went quick. But then when it all melted down, I think maybe that same year, when the financial first collapse happened in 2008, I was like, Fuck it, I'm putting fifty grand in right now. Wow. And that felt really unnatural. It's like throwing money at a burning building. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, stock market's in flames. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to put fifty grand in it. And what was the stock at that point? Do you uh, I don't even remember. It, it was split. low, though, right? Yeah, and split and split a few times. So, yeah, that's... And do you, that you was still have move. some? I do. Nice. And it's still going up from what I... Well, did yeah. it like crash once and then go big recently? I don't know. It's back and forth. You can yeah. watch it all day and obsess. And try you know, you only to... lose in the stock market if you sell when it's down. So it's true. You yeah. haven't lost till it's down. But then, like they say or that, you sell when it's or down. they go out of business. So like, I'm Happened not. I'm not a stock guru. Believe me, I just got lucky. And but it's. I think someone told me advice like if you're gonna. Uh, Buy into the stock market. Buy into something you believe in that you know about. Mm-hmm. And and Great like advice. I'm such a fool because like I don't know about you guys, but like. I was on Netflix day one, you know, like pre-streaming. Why didn't I buy Netflix? I actually did buy Netflix at one point when it was low, and I panicked and sold it because, like, there was all this talk like it wasn't going to work out, and I'm not kicking myself for that. But anyway, things, you know, that are so obvious, like Amazon. Why didn't I buy Amazon? Duh. Like, think about that stuff. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, so so Airbnb is doing an IPO, allegedly. By the time this airs, it might have already happened. So that's a temptation because I'm a big believer in Airbnb and that's one of the income streams I have going on right now is I do um, Airbnb, one of the properties I have. I actually used to live in and uh, when we moved out, we moved to a new house, we just left everything behind and just airbnb the place. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, so you have, I think, a handful of properties, something like that, right? And, yeah. And uh, you did well with Apple. And I had asked you a question. I said, you set yourself up pretty well, and you had a pretty good answer for that. Uh, I don't think I'm looking for a job. The the, the LinkedIn isn't getting updated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so, won't be getting – no one's going to be getting a LinkedIn update in their email box It's like me. that, huh? Well, I, I mean – Because you have properties not, that are yeah, working for you. not living large, but the yeah. properties are working, so it's like you, know, you can make it happen. That's so dope. Yeah, but I mean, like, this is, this is what I want. I don't – Dude, how are we ever going to have jobs? Look at the lives we just lived. Yeah, we're fucked. What are we going to do? We are fucked. Completely. That's why I just sit here and talk shit. Hopefully this pans out. And you found your way. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I think you He's might be on to something. banter god. Dude, dude, my chick and I almost came up hardcore with Bitcoin. Have yeah. you ever heard of this story uh, or the, the thing called Silk Road where you could go online and buy drugs? 
Oh, yes. In yeah. order yeah. to oh, yeah. buy drugs, yep. Yep. You, had you had to get Bitcoin. So we bought all this Bitcoin because we like drugs, whatever. <laughs> and uh, side side note, side note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so years go by. Silk Road dude gets arrested. That whole thing crashes. And then my chick was like, she saw that Bitcoin went up to some crazy, ridiculous number. And she's like, I have Bitcoin. And we looked, and she had, like, a bunch of Bitcoin. Wow. And we lost the authentication code. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, Might have had something to do with the drugs. Seriously, it would have been, been worth something like $350,000. Yikes. And uh, the company that we bought it from, one, if you didn't, there was a point where they uh, they got seized by the FBI because there were so many weird things going on. Yeah. This Japanese company. And uh, they sent out all these emails saying you have to make your claim now. And they were offering when the FBI took all the money, they offered it back. And we missed the emails and lost the authentication code. Found it all after the fact. Oh for about God. for about one day, I thought we had three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Sounds and like a pretty then, good uh, investment, honestly. It was a great day thinking <laughs> thinking that I was rich. Like we fully were like, this is it. We I read all these articles and then we tried to figure it out and figure and get the money and. We were fucked. Oh, dude. Rich for a day. Yeah. Here today, gone tomorrow. Easy come, easy go. That's what I've learned from investments like the block and uh, <laughs> yes. things like that, you know? Oh, man. You were in the circle bar, too, huh? Yeah, circle oh, bar. Sorry. That guy dipped on me. <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, bud. True. Yeah. You know? Now I got this guy, dude. I'm just trying to let some of his luck rub off on me. Oh, yeah. We got this. We're, uh, you know... Couple geniuses sitting in the garage yeah, solving all the, solving all the world's problems, hashing out the world's problems, huffing kerosene. <laughs> it's actually freezing in here. We <laughs> yes. had to turn off the heater. I am Our not cold at all. Budget is not flowing like the Nile. Dude, uh, we all need to get ready for winter, so this is good true. training for it's us. True. It is training. There's uh, nothing like those first days out when you actually freeze to death. Exactly. Hey, uh, one thing that we kind of breezed over. I want to run back and Dan talk about. Over? Yeah, we Dan breezied over actually. Uh, shout out to D Breeze. <laughs> A little fun fact, Dan Breezy once drove a Plymouth Breeze when I first met him. I'm not sure if he bought it because of his name or what, but... Pretty sure. <laughs> if so, <laughs> legendary move. Now, um, you know what's cool to talk about is, like, that dynamic, that important dynamic, the filmer-photographer dynamic. Like, it, some some guys I've shot with, I'm like, like, do we just do not click? But both of you broskies, like, we had, we had a fucking good dynamic. It was Good That's times. probably just an important thing for a photographer or a video guy to make sure they click with some, with the crew. Yeah. Are you saying, like, dynamic between photographer and filmer or writer? Or, or I, writer. I, I'm actually talking about writer. writer. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I, let's let's first talk about that. Then let's talk about the filmer yeah. photographer. Yeah. Because yeah. writer is pretty easy, man. It's like, you know, you. I think, speaking for myself, and I'm sure it's the same way, it's like, obviously, respect what you do. And as a fan of snowboarding, I'm not going to be like, yo, go bigger. Do this trick, you know your style is whack. Things like that. That's not my place. And so I think you live by those rules. You're gonna probably go pretty far. And they're all cool, yeah. most of them. Yeah, and I, I'd say even the most golden rule is like, dude, I could do that. Don't ever say that. Yeah. <laughs> and don't ever do it. Don't ever attempt. There's a photographer who's been not in the game anymore, but that was one of his things. Is he would strap in and hit the spot. And that didn't go over very well, as you can imagine. So anyway, kind of always came. <laughs> Who was <down>. that? <laughs> Do I know? Yeah, I'll have to he, he used, think to, about he used it. to live close to here. Oh, he did. <laughs> I can't think of it. You have to tell. I me know what you're talking about. Can, go ahead. You do. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
anyway, so it kind of came natural. It's writer, but I'm glad you think that because you know, glad we glad we had a good rapport. I never knew if we got the whole like Patriot Steeler rivalry where we stood. Well, the, going back to that, <laughs> one quick story before we we get over this topic. Uh, we were in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, came out to Mass. You stayed with me for a video grass trip, and we had a whole crew of people at my parents' house. And uh, I remember you were wearing a Steelers hat and a pedestrian that was uh, in the vicinity where we were filming and shooting photos, snowboarding, uh, walks by you and says, excuse me, sir, do you know that you woke up this morning and accidentally put on a Pittsburgh Steelers hat? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it was a great roast from a Bostonian. Well, you know, I was on I was on their hometown, and hey, I'm so glad you did the accent too. By the way, I, you were setting that up, and I'm like, please do the accent, please do the accent. <laughs> Very authentic. But uh, yeah, I, I was representing, and I was you know I was behind enemy lines. You so, weren't you know, scared, huh? Respect. I thought maybe you'd give me a little respect for like yeah. sticking it out. Oh, I, yeah. I'd never been. I'd never behind really been to Boston. Enemy lines. <laughs> I've only heard the stories of Boston. I didn't know how hard I was going to get rolled. I was just like, it was playoffs, though, man. It was like I had to show my spirit. We were in the playoffs this year. That's nothing to you. That's every year. You're like, oh, playoffs. Wake me up when it gets to the championship game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you what I realize is that now that the Patriots suck, um, I and then I see the Kansas City Chiefs fans, and I'm like, these guys are so fucking annoying. And I'm like, that's why everybody hates the Patriots. I'm like on the outside looking in, you know? Like, Yeah, I I gotta bring something up. Okay. Somebody somebody <laughs> somebody, t- somebody tipped Here me off. Somebody tipped me off that you you said you were jumping ship this season. That you might be like you might be down with the Bills this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Where I, uh, are the Bills from? I'll tell Division you, it, rival. I'll tell you what. What kind of fan does that? Where are the Bills let me, from? Let me tell you something. Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. In true New England fashion, <laughs> when your team starts sucking, you turn your back on your team. That's what you <laughs> the media turns their back on them. They're a bunch of bums. They're a bunch of pieces of shit. That, that's actually as most. Do they New say England that on the news? Get. Uh, no, like bums. no, like the sports writers <laughs> yeah. just like rip them to shreds as really? soon as any like because we you know title town you yeah. know it's like the the, the every if they're sports not team in Boston title, it's like and as soon as they start sucking everybody just rips them to shreds so that's all I'm doing is I'm following suit and uh, you know it's fun like my the Bills fans I know they hate the Patriots so much I think Easton just farted by nope. the way um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, what are you talking about dude. <laughs> A little on a, on air rip, but the Bills hate the Patriots, and I just thought it would be fun to just kind of root for the Bills for a little bit, you know. Whatever works for you, man. I figured you'd be a Buccaneers fan. Yeah, yeah, that's you know what I realize. I'm just a fantasy football fan now that my team sucks. That, <laughs> Aren't you the, losing there too? Uh, I think I'm uh, seven and five, eight and five, no. something like that. Yeah, I'm like third in the division or that's, third that's in the third bad. in the league. It's not bad. Yeah. Any rate, great sports break. <laughs> you guys and your sports, man. Buds was so uh, entertained he actually farted during that that rant. Uh, I actually fell asleep. Just kidding. That's pretty funny. I thought you guys told a good story there. Okay. I got a Patreon question here from uh, George Kleckner. Dope dude. Shout him, out. Throw him a little something, oh, yeah. something. I don't know about you, but he's kept me gainfully employed over the years. Dude, he's yeah. He even like sponsored me back in the day. Yeah. With uh, so tell and people, boots. He's, he's uh, started Union Bindings for the people listening that don't know. Was a sponsor, a boot sponsor for me when he was doing end boots back in the day. Um, so, the question is for both Andy and Stony Buds. Have you guys taken any sort of EMT training? I'm sure both of you dealt firsthand 
with more people getting wrecked, just about any job that I can think of. Thanks, Tom Brokoff. Remember that old news guy, Tom Brokoff? Oh, yeah. I think that's, <laughs> great reference. Uh, that was a great era, Tom Brokoff. Yeah. Man. I always say that when people get broke off and yeah, no one sure. knows what I'm talking about. Um, great question, George. Uh, and I have taken EMT training only once. And thankfully, I've never had to use it. I definitely could use a brush up and uh, definitely seen some shit go down, as you would imagine. Nothing to the scale of the avalanche story that's come through this a few times, but uh, been lucky in that regard. And we've been lucky that uh, we've been in places where there's been cell phone access and help to have come on the way, but um, can never take too much EMP, EMT training and hopefully you'll never have to use it. I personally never had any, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll tell you I what. should though, man, because it sucks. The concussions you see are so scary. Yeah. I saw a broken femur in the back country and, Dude, I would just hate to be out there and someone hit their head and I didn't know how to give them mouth-to-mouth and save yeah. their life. Something simple. And so uh, it was basic. It was two, three-hour class I took here. It's not like the wilderness training. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. That one's gnarly. Yep. That one's heavy. Have you done any of that? Uh, I have a class coming up with Pat Moore, one of his. It's a uh, risk assessment, not wilderness, but Pat, uh, Sage has done the wilderness one. Yeah, wilderness is heavy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sage and Griff were talking about it. It made me want to do it. Mm-hmm. So It's well, good to have those guys in the crew, though. One thing I'd like to add to this conversation because it's fresh on my mind is there's like some preventative measures if you haven't taken the course. Let's say you're going in the backcountry. I actually just built my pack uh, ah. last night or was it a couple nights ago. Uh, basically, you can kind of you should everybody should roll with some type of first aid kit in their pack, be it street trip, be it going to the re- I mean, you don't really need it that much when you're at the resort. But if you're going out of bounds, you're going in the backcountry, you're going split boarding. Uh, and in mine, the things that are important, they, they make basic ones, but I take a basic first aid kit and then I added a bunch of other things. So I use, for me, a lot of times we're doing snowmobiling or I'm doing it riding dirt bikes. So I bring a lot of things like um, I take my basic first aid kit and then I'll bring uh, zip ties and then I'll bring a bunch of bailing wire and I wrap that with electrical cord. And then a simple fire starter for people that don't know is like you can take cotton balls and cover that in like petroleum jelly or whatever, and and that that burns really well. And you can use it if you have dried lips. You can put that in like a little plastic bag or whatever. And then you can kind of make your own first aid kit and nerd out on it. Get some vole straps, like things that you can use for splints. You're gonna want some paracord in there, and really important, you're definitely gonna want a lighter in case you're out there, shit hits the fan, and you need to build a fire. So just like it's all preventative stuff. I also keep a spot beacon in my bag, which is a GPS texting device. So let's say I get lost out in the backcountry. I got no cell phone service. You can do a SOS where you can do straight to search and rescue, or you can communicate via text to people you have loaded in there. But yeah, there's a, maybe I'll do a little link to some of this stuff in the show notes, but there's definitely some preventative measures. Uh, like you said earlier, what was that preparation quote? Um, Luck favors the prepared. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times the the reason you're out there is because you're lost. So you can do things like preloading the GPS on your maps. That's what I do a lot of times when I ride my dirt bike is I preload my maps uh, with a map system called Avenza where you, you know where you're at. I mark the truck. Okay, I'm lost. I know how to get back to the truck. Things like that. So um, I don't know. I think that that's an important thing to talk about is making sure you have a solid first aid kit if you're going in the backcountry. Safety Chief Chris, I like that, dude. Yeah. I'm going out with you, dude. One thing to add, pro tip, is uh, starting a fire, old bike tires. Cut them up. Those things burn really well. Really? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, one of our guides up in uh, Revy one year, we were waiting out a storm. He had those, and they just great for starting fire. 
Did I tell you what? I've heard a story from Hostinick. Um, one day they were out hellying, and uh, weather moved in fast, and these guys got stuck overnight. In the and, books, in Valdez. Yeah, they were not prepared. And no. Justin talks about how he was basically hallucinating from the cold and just very scary moment, thought they were going to die. You, you've obviously heard this story. I have, and um, maybe it'd be great. Justin should be on the show to, to tell us time. But it's he said they all they all kind of huddled up together, and they would take turns on who would be on the ends, so they would rotate. And he said he just sat there all night, and he dreamt about slipping his feet inside of two vaginas. Yes, <laughs> that's that is the story. <laughs> he was like going so yeah. cold that he was yeah. basically like losing it. It was the mental game you had to stay on top of. And he said, "Yeah, he just sat and thought about that." And then in the morning, the heli showed up and picked him up. And but there was moments they thought that might have got him it through. Was it. Yeah. So, oh, I, it did get him through. That's I, how to say I have the story. a thing that that uh, I add into my packs. I, I want to. I don't know if this is true. Somebody should fact check this. But a friend of mine, Luke, he owns a construction company, and he has a bunch of employees, and uh, like some of them are from Mexico, and so their little trick of the trade that those guys use is they get cayenne pepper pills, and supposedly those warm you up. Now, I bought a bunch of cayenne pepper pills, and I keep them in my, my first aid pack. Is that true? I, I don't know. Somebody should fact check it. We'll I've actually never it. used them and it. tested them, but I think that that's what I, I have, like, maybe 10 cayenne pepper pills in my first aid pack. Dude, so. I've heard you can sprinkle that in your boots, too, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, and you can absorb it for heat as well. Mm, true. Heard it. I mean, think about when you, eat, when you eat it. Think I mean, about what happens. You guys bo- yeah, it makes you sweat, huh? Yeah, the I've, fact, you guys both have heard this. I mean, geez, I'll I'll Google it and we'll put it in the show notes if it's true. Could be. Hopefully, that never happens to us or anyone. I mean, I could imagine getting stuck out there with wet gear overnight. Yeah, absolutely. The gear's come a long way since when Justin got stuck, but true of it still. Still, I mean, that's deep in AK. Especially when you're after a really long day and you're gonna be wet somewhere. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine the thought of being stuck out there overnight. And it's a thought when you're in AK for sure because you go out, um, like you've been out in Haines, and, dude, the weather can come in. You could be there for days. Yeah. And that was like kind of on – that's always kind of on my mind when Me I'm too. out there in Haines. I'm just like – you're always trying to push it because you're like, okay, there's a, there's a, some pockets. Let's yeah. go. We got to do this. But you're like, pilots can't land and come get you. If you get stuck out on the glacier – I mean, the heli company could probably send in a sled crew to come get you, but if it's really bad or if it's almost getting dark, it's – yeah. You might be on your own. So that's one other element that's always in the back of your head when you're in AK. And it's like, yeah, you want to bring some survival gear stuff, but our packs are already so weighed down. Yeah. You know, and it's like there's a point of having a heavy pack where it kind of like hinders your production. You're holding the crew behind because you're carrying too much weight. So you kind of have to make some decisions like, dude, I don't bring much water out to even shave weight. I don't know about you. Yeah. A guide actually once told me that by overloading yourself, you're like, making yourself so much more tired mm-hmm. and it's actually like so bad for you that you shouldn't do that. You know, he like gave me a big speech about it. Yeah. And that's like, especially for us, you know, every movement you're overexert. Basically those bags are heavy as yeah. shit. Your guys's bags, especially the filmers even with the tripods and yeah, absolutely. So you always have to consider every single thing that's in that. Yeah, bag. You have less water, especially if you're in Alaska somewhere like that. Oh yeah. I saw a Sage post that I thought was pretty cool. He was breaking down the things. He's actually what inspired me to build this um, 
this. Have you always had that, or you built that this year? Uh, I've always had a little moto uh, emergency pack, Sick. but I nerded out on. I was listening to a podcast with the wilderness yeah. survival guy, and he basically talked about his his little bag that he brings everywhere, and that inspired me to take this first aid kit and make a more expensive bag. But if you're with a crew of a bunch of people and you're spending a lot of time together, let's say you're on a trip. And you can disperse the weight throughout the crew. So you have one first aid kit. Uh, let's say some one guy's got the splint, some guy's got, you know, whatever things smart. that you need. But that's that's one way to do it if you're with a crew for a while. Very smart. Good pro tip. Never done it, though. Yeah. Pro tip. All right, uh, Andy, do you have – I feel like we did it, man. I think we had a great combo. Do you have anybody you want to throw some thank yous out to some people along the way? Glad you asked. Glasses are coming on. <laughs> There's – Definitely a, lo- a list of people I need to thank because obviously couldn't have done this without the help of so many along the way. And first and foremost on the list of thanks, you guys for having me here and creating such a great product and a forum, have you. a hub of snowboarding in a time where really kind of need a hub where things are kind of changing and in flux. And it's you know it's great you're here and it's great it's in good hands, but. Uh, Definitely want to thank every single rider that did a trick for me over the years because without you guys, what am I, you know, just a guy taking selfies of myself at best. <laughs> uh, yeah, and putting it on the line and having trust for, for, the, for that I would get your shot and I would get it right and make it look good, not make you look like a kook. So definitely to the riders. But top of the list of riders over the year, for sure, Mikey LeBlanc has helped me tremendously through my career, opened some doors. Uh Kind of helped, really helped me t- go on to the next level when uh, MDP did the uh, Shakedown movie. He brought me in. They were like, he's like, you're going to shoot with us this year. And that was a huge turning point in my career to have access to that crew at that time. Where it, before I was just kind of taking bits and pieces. Mikey's a good friend to this day, actually. and uh, But that was a huge help. Um, Blaze Rosenthal, he brought me in at M3. He kind of had to sign off on the things. He was the big boss there. Good friend of mine for many years. But biggest of all, Bobby Meeks, huge shout-out. That guy has kept me gainfully employed. See him all the time. He just moved back to Portland, Oregon, and it's so nice to have him there. He just got a puppy. I just got a puppy a few months before him. Our dogs are growing up together, so it's good times. But <laughs> huge shout to Bobby Meeks. Give him my air horn. Then I want to, like, also, if I still have a minute here. Yeah, you got plenty you of time. Know, hey, you, you know, I, I got to, like, I'm going to thank all the filmers over the years that I've worked with because, you know what, I fought this idea for so long that, you know, like, oh, filmer versus photographer. Why can't, you know, like, you're in my shot, this kind of thing. But, man, you guys are driving the bus. I'll admit it. I'll admit that, too. Yeah. I was going to say to people coming up, it's like, latch onto a filmer, man. Yeah, and make good friends with us. And uh, and, it, and there's, some, you know, some challenging moments out there. We both want to get the shot, but some of my best friends have turned out to be filmers. And uh, and those guys work a lot harder than we do. They're all they're all concerned with that. What's that L word landing? <laughs> Keep talking about landings. Man. Yeah, why are they so know. worried about so, the landing? Yeah, so dude. no wonder they're all crazy nuts. <laughs> but yeah, filmers over the year for sure. Whitey, like I mentioned before, helped me so much getting into his projects. Uh, <coughs> Mac Dog, he was a homie. Loved hanging out with him for years. Brad Kramer, both from Whitey and later Mac Dog Productions. Shane Charlebois and Justin Hostinick, homies for life. Uh, Justin Meyer and the rest of the VG crew, Riley Erickson, Sam Fenton, and I'll even give a shout out. Never thought I'd do this to Bubble Boy himself, <laughs> Sean McCormick. Uh, Joe Carlino, uh, it was amazing to work with you. You're super good at what you do. 
Never Not, one of the best movies I think has ever been made. Uh, the Pierres, Wickberg and Minhondo, do insane work. Two of the best to ever do it. Justin Neal's also from the same crew of uh, people. Uh, Justin Hare spent some really good times with you. Flo from Pirates. Uh, Kaz Duffy in the ride years. Always a good time. Cole Taylor. Can't do this list without Cole. Uh, Pat Fenelon. I was a little iffy on this, but you, you made the cut. <laughs> Love and uh, last but not least is Sam Sosnowski, who's been the DC filmer for the last few years, and that guy's that salt of the earth, dope. as good as they get. And then uh, I got to thank the guys at the Mags over the years. I worked for Transworld for about 17 years. I got my first photo editor, and for a long time was Nick Hamilton. He really pushed me to be a better photographer. Uh, it was humbling to work under you and see what you could produce, and thanks for the push. Chris Wellhausen, same deal. And... Uh, Thanks to Pat Bridges for bringing me on at Snowboarder when Transworld went out. I only lasted there one season. Sorry if I was the bad luck that kind of sunk the ship. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it was you, Doug. I've sunk three ships in my career. I did a little work. I did a little work for Blunt. Sunk that one. Sunk Transworld, and how maybe it is you. And now uh, Snowboarder. So sorry, man. So uh, and then also every photographer, past and present. Thanks for the inspiration, man. You've definitely the work you do motivates me uh so many guys out there doing great work and uh i love scrolling the feed and seeing what you're doing and seeing the shots in print so thanks for the inspo and then most of all uh gotta thank the wife <laughs> sorry uh cracking up there a little bit but yeah the wife has definitely stood through a lot of times a lot of traveling i imagine yeah and <laughs> Empty houses. So thanks to her. Thanks, babe, for standing by. Let's give her some air horns. And I know you didn't always understand it, why I always had to leave, but I think you were supportive, and so thanks so much. It's all about having a strong woman behind you, right? Definitely. Can't I do think it without them. On behalf of all the photographers, dude, thank you, man. You definitely inspired me, brother. Your photos were always what pushed me to mm. get out there. Well, thanks, man. When, I, when I first started. Right back at you. And also your hustle, too, man. I always knew I couldn't sleep for a second because Easton was, <laughs> be was going to be there, man. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't out with the crew, I would definitely be there. Oh, yeah. I was always like, it was chess, dude. I was like, who's he, what's his move? Well, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast, man. You drop so much knowledge for all our listeners, for myself. And, um, yeah, just thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right, we will see you guys next week over and out from the bomb hole. All right, another fun conversation in the booth. What a pleasure it was chatting with Andy. Now, before we get out of here, I want to talk to you guys about a few things. First off, our Patreon. Now, our Patreon is basically a subscription-based platform where you can donate money to us, and it is a massive support to the podcast. You get exclusive access to some videos and content you might not otherwise see, but mainly, it helps us do what we do. And if you're a member, thank you so much already. Another way to support us is at bombhole.com. Now, on bombhole.com, we have all of our merch on our store we have stickers, we have crew necks, we got sweatpants, and we see you guys out there buying stuff every week. So I want to say thank you to all those people that bought Bombhole merch. You guys rule. And most importantly, it's the holiday season right now. We hope you guys are having a great holiday, hopefully spending some time with your family or loved ones. 
We hope you guys are all staying safe out there. Now we'll have another episode coming at you next week over and out from the bomb hole.